I want to make sure that we're on SFGov TV. Okay, there we are. Great, thank you. Okay, Com Commissioner Buell? Here. Commissioner Griffin? Here. Commissioner Halsey? Here. Commissioner Jupiter Jones? Here. Commissioner Louie? Here. Commissioner Mazzola? Here. And I note that Commissioner Anderson has an excused absence, but will be joining us remotely from her location to provide a brief update later in the meeting. This is here. The <laughs> Hi, Commissioner Anderson. Hello. Um, SFGov TV, our monitor in room 416 seems to not be on, um, but I see that we're on, on my desk monitor, just to note that. This is the Recreation and Park Commission meeting of August 18th, 2022. The San Francisco Recreation and Park Commission acknowledges that we occupy the unceded ancestral homeland of the Ramatish Ohlone peoples who are the original inhabitants of the San Francisco Peninsula. We honor the Ramatish Ohlone peoples for their enduring commitment to Mother Earth. As the indigenous protectors of this land and in accordance with their traditions, the Ramatish Ohlone have never ceded, lost, nor forgotten their responsibilities as the caretakers of this place, as well as for all peoples who reside in their traditional territory. As stewards of parkland, we recognize our duty to honor the Ohlone through the thoughtful and informed preservation and interpretation of ancestral land. As uninvited guests, we affirm their sovereign rights as First Peoples and wish to pay our respects to the ancestors, elders, and relatives of the Ramatish community. Good morning and welcome to the Recreation and Park Commission. This meeting is being held in hybrid format with the meeting occurring in person in City Hall Room 416 with options to join and provide public comment remotely as well. We ask that you please turn off electronic devices and take any secondary conversations outside in order for the meeting to pr proceed as efficiently as possible. We ask listeners to turn down your televisions and or computers while listening on the phone. We ask for your patience if we experience any technical issues. Public comment will be taken both in person and remotely. Public comment will be available for each item on the agenda. Unless otherwise announced by the president, each person will have two minutes for public comment on each item. Comments or opportunities to speak during the public comment period are available both in person in City Hall Room 416 and via phone. For each item, the Commission will take public comment first from the people attending the meeting in person and then from people attending the meeting remotely. For those who would like to join the meeting remotely, you can watch the meeting live on SFGov TV. You may also provide public comment via phone by calling 415-655-0001 using today's access code 2480-647-0682. When you hear the agenda item you would like to comment on called, dial star three to be added to the queue to speak. You will be lined up in the system in the order you dial star three. The system will notify you when you are in line and waiting, during which time the system will be silent. All callers will remain on mute until their line is open. Everyone must account for the time delays and speaking discrepancies between live coverage and streaming. Please address your comments to the Commission during public comment on items. In order to allow equal time for all, neither the Commission nor staff will respond to any questions during public comment. The Commission may ask questions of staff after public comment is closed. If there is an item of interest to you that is not on the agenda today and is under the subject matter jurisdiction of the Commission, you may speak under general public comment and that is item 5 and will also be continued at item 11. Alternatively, you may submit public comment in either of the following ways by emailing recpark.commission at sfgov.org. If you submit public comment via email, it will be included in the legislative file as part of the matter. 
Written comments may also be sent via the U.S. Postal Service to San Francisco Recreation and Park Commission, 501 Stanyan Street, San Francisco, California, 94117. The following are short announcements for those of you joining us in person today. If the fire alarms activate, you must evacuate the building in an orderly fashion using any exit. Please note that elevators will immediately return to the first floor and are not available for use. If you need assistance out of the building, please make your way to the closest area of refuge, which is directly across the hall in the men's restroom. Inside the restroom is a speaker box. Press it and City Hall Security will answer. Let them know your location and they will assist you. Please note that this commission meeting is recorded and will be available for later viewing on sfgovtv.org. We are now on item two, continuation of remote meetings. <laughs> Want to explain what that is again? I'm sorry? Do you want to explain what it is again or do you <coughs> just take public? <laughs> I, I would just move it on. Is there any public comment on item two, continuation of remote meetings? Okay, seeing none in person, is there any public comment on our public line? I see no hands raised. Okay. Seeing none, public comment is closed. Commissioners? Uh, do, uh, is there a motion to approve the continuation? Of so moved. Second. Moved and seconded. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. So moved. Aye. Okay, we are now on item three, President's Report. So let me ask first, do we have a screen uh, that shows anything today, or is this a... <laughs> it was on earlier. Um, why don't you begin, and I'll, while you begin, I'll call um, media right. services. So I have a couple of items that uh, I want to cover in the President's report. Uh, let me start by saying, as is my want, that when we get complimentary letters about staff, I like to let the public know that the people who really do the work around here are being recognized for it. So this is uh, a, uh, a letter to Eric Anderson, our Superintendent of Parks, and it says, Dear Superintendent Anderson, this is a letter of thanks and appreciation to your park staff. Not only do they care for our beautiful city parks on a daily basis, paren, I encounter them on a daily basis at Noe Courts, my very small and often overcrowded neighborhood park, but they are almost always friendly and sometimes exceptionally kind and generous as they go about their work. Some 35 years ago, I moved to San Francisco because I'd been diagnosed with AIDS. This was in the 80s when there were no treatments. And San Francisco was one of the few places in the country where I could find a specialist. But I really knew that I was coming here to die. There wasn't much hope in those days. I didn't know anyone in town, so I was pretty much on my own, trying to take care of myself and anticipating the inevitable. It was scary and lonely time for me. Not long after I moved here, I was taking a stroll through Golden Gate Park and stopped in the Rose Garden to admire the beautiful flowers. I was just immersed in the moment and appreciating the beauty of the garden when a gardener who had been pruning those rose bushes walked up to me and handed me a bunch of roses that he had just cut. It was it's a transformative moment in my introduction to San Francisco. For the first time, I knew that no matter what happened, I would be all right, and there were kind people in this city who would look after me. I felt loved and embraced by my new home. Needless to say, I did not die back then. I'm one of the few long-term survivors of AIDS who lived to see their senior years. I'm turning 70 next year. He's just a kid. I really don't know why I survived when so many others didn't, but the gardener might have had something to do with it. My partner's name is in the AIDS Grove. Thank you for the offering as well, but it's the Rose Garden that I return to several times a year. 
and often around my birthday to admire the roses and recall that moment in time. It was one of, one of my fondest memories in 35 years in San Francisco. Please thank the park staff for me, both for their dedication and kindness, not only the gardeners in the Rose Garden, but also the folks who empty the trash bins, sweep the leaves in the smaller neighborhood parks, and the accountants and drivers and managers behind the scenes. They're all part of what makes San Francisco this beautiful city of love. With deep appreciation, David Lewis. So congratulations to all the staff. Yeah, you, uh, all right. Yeah, yeah, why not, why not? I'm supposed to control these outbursts of emotion. <laughs> uh, on that note, we have a wonderful resolution of recognition, and I'm going to ask Commissioner Louie and Commissioner Hallisey to take this one. Um, before I take this one, um, <laughs> there's just something I want to quickly say. Um, about a year ago, the commissioners and general manager Ginsburg, Ashley, and the staff at Rec and Park that's here today walked into my life. And so this past year, we were on the 17th hole of a golf course with Larry Griffin. It's a year ago. And we can't explain why sometimes people walk into your life at a certain time in your life. And so, but when that happens and it changes you, you have to stop and reflect. And this is what happened to me recently because I am a part and because of General Manager Ginsburg. He includes us all in a lot of things. There's sometimes they think specifically of you when it comes to softball or building or housing or labor. Uh, Mark, we're very lucky to have you, we love you. But there's a reason for everything and it's just not because I'm Asian. It's because you can't explain these things. And that's what happened to me when uh, I went to Rossi Pole, somewhere where I learned to swim. And I was told by the wonderful director there who is watching, the entire Rossi Pole is watching from, and all the lifeguards are watching right now. That's why I kind of wanted the TV on, but that's okay. And Michelle Lee, uh, during a video that uh, General Manager Ginsburg planned with Larry Griffin, said hello to me, and she told me about this aqua flex class. And what it is is Zumba in the water. And so since Michelle told us that, and I myself witnessed the beautiful transformation of Rossi Pool and these wonderful park projects, people walk into your life. And that's what happened. Today we are honoring someone that I met at Rossi Pool. Um, her name is Willard Harris. Um, it's not, Willard, it's not because you're 102 and a half years old, it's because you are special that the Rec and Park Commission has, wants to stop and recognize you. And uh, commissioners, she's brought like her whole fan club here, okay? <laughs> Um, so all these people here, we swim. So I barely can recognize you because you have regular clothes on. <laughs> You're not in your swimming suit, and Willard has a hat on. So I'd like to read this resolution, and I want to give a special thanks to our liaison secretary, Commission Secretary Ashley Somers. She has put a lot of work into this. Um, General Manager Ginsburg, I just want you to know that. Ashley, we're blessed to have you. She has done so much work. 
uh, to put this nice resolution together, and together uh, I've asked Commissioner Hallisey and myself to read this. So, whereas Willard Harris, a proud centenarian, is one of our most senior park users, having recently celebrated her 102nd birthday, and whereas born in Chicago, Illinois in 1919, Willard was raised in Jackson, Tennessee. She received her nursing degree from Meharry Medical College, one of the nation's oldest and largest historical black academic health science centers. She later received a bachelor's degree from Tennessee State University and her master's degree from NYU. Whereas after achieving incredible academic success at a time when women, especially black women, were not encouraged to pursue education and careers, Willard moved to San Francisco in 1957 when her son was only six years old. <clears throat> Whereas before having her daughter, Cynthia, Willard was hired as the first black night supervisor at Mount Zion Hospital. She was later promoted to be the Director of Nursing Service in 1964. Whereas Willard had a distinguished career in nursing, but one of her most outstanding achievements was when she left Mount Zion to work for San Francisco General Hospital, where with federal grant funding, she established clinics in high needs and underserved communities in San Francisco, including Patrol Hill, Hunters Point, and the Mission neighborhoods. Whereas with these clinics established vulnerable patients who found themselves at San Francisco General Hospital had a safe and secure access to patient services. Whereas previously, they would not be able to get home after 10 p.m. because taxi drivers nor city buses would service those areas late in the evening. So Willard coordinated all the after drivers, okay? Whereas she was... She has lived more than six decades in Haight-Ashbury, Coal Valley neighborhood, where she raised her son and daughter, who attended Grattan Elementary School, Lowell High School, and Washington High Schools. Whereas a mother of two, grandmother of five, great-grandmother of four, Parks have been an essential part of her experience as a San Franciscan. And whereas one of her most cherished memories of being in San Francisco parks was when she would have barbecues after church in nearby Golden Gate Park, where her family and their dog would spend the day enjoying each other's company and their natural surroundings. Many years later, her grandson would work at the Golden Gate Park carousel, collecting tickets so kids and families could enjoy their day at the park. And whereas, Willard also served as a Golden Gate Park docent, leading tours for tourists and visitors, and helping provide a rich and valuable perspective on this treasured San Francisco park. And whereas, before the COVID pandemic, at the age of 98 and 99, you might have found Willard at 6 a.m. walking up and down the steps three to four times around Kizar Stadium. <laughs> and whereas, for the past eight years, Willard has enjoyed the low-impact and high-energy workout she gets at Rossi Pool, 
where she has made lasting relationships with her fellow swimmers, including our very own commissioner, Vanita Louie. And whereas Willard was appointed by Mayor Art Agnos to serve on the Disability and Aging Services Commission, where she provided her unique experiences as a senior black woman and healthcare professional to improve San Francisco for all. Now, therefore, be it resolved that the members of the Recreation and Park Commission on behalf of the employees and citizens of the city of San Francisco, do hereby gratefully recognize Willard Harris's contributions to the people of this city and do express great appreciation for her superlative career, dedication to her family, and accomplishments that have significantly elevated the quality of life for all San Franciscans. Congratulations, Willard Harris. Okay, uh, Willard. To say yeah. Um, I just wanted to let you know that Willard, she does not need help in the pool to get in the pool or to come out of the pool. She like, don't touch me, don't touch me, I can do it. <laughs> SFGovTV, can you um, put this photo up on the monitor for us just so we can see it? <laughs> okay. One. Have one more. Love it. <laughs> Thank you. Welcome. <clears throat> Welcome. Can you hear me now? We can. I really, before I start, I wanted to know where did you get all of that information? <laughs> because what you have done, you have spoiled it for me because that's exactly what I was going to say on my piece of paper. <laughs> so now you're going to have to hear it again. <laughs> but I do welcome you and thank you for such an honor. I also want to give special thanks to the audience, to my elder sisters, to the work people, to my daughter, to my priest. To all of you, I thank you so much for being here. It is such a pleasure to have you here. I also have to give special shout out to my new best friend, <laughs> Commissioner Benita <laughs> Louie. <laughs> I, I, do, I do thank you for being my friend. As you all know and have heard, I am 102 and a half years old. And I always stress that half with humility and with gratitude because it is, thank the Lord, one more day. And I do appreciate it. As you said before, I've lived in the Haight-Ashbury District for over 60 years as a resident there. I've seen many changes here in this city, some for the best, and some not for the best at this particular time. But what I have decided to do is to repeat what 
Reverend Jesse Jackson said, let's yeah. keep. Thank you, David. Yes. Folks on the, the line, uh, we can hear you. So if you can mute yourselves at SFGov TV, if you can keep an eye on the mutes, thanks. As Reverend Jesse Jackson says, let's keep hope alive. Mm. Yeah. I also try very hard to follow the both physical and mental education derivatives. As a matter of fact, around 6 or 6.30 in the mornings, prior to the pandemic, you could find me walking around Kezar Stadium, up the steps and down the steps, looking at the beautiful sky, admiring God's work, looking at the little flowers that creep up between the cracks, just paying no attention to all those people that were running beside me. I just kept stepping and kept walking. I then get in my car, go back up the hill, grab my newspaper, my cup of coffee, and hop back in bed. <laughs> I forgot to tell you, though, that in this cup of coffee, I had a smidgen of brandy. <laughs> Matter of fact, my doctor asked me, do you drink? And I said, yes. He said, how much? I said, a smidgen. He says, what is a smidgen? I said, check with Google. <laughs> Again, I do love the Golden Gate Park. And as you said already, it was on Sundays that we would go to the park. I would grab a bench that had a grill. The children run around on the beautiful grass plant. Me doing the hot dogs and the hamburgers. My husband just lying there, enjoying life. But <laughs> nevertheless, it was just a beautiful day. The dog running, wonderful. And of course, back in those days, money was tight. This was entertainment and also free. We would laugh and just have so, so much fun. Speaking of laughter, I've just recently discovered that laughter is now being taught in our colleges. Laughter is good for pain, laughter is good for stress, and we really don't laugh that much. Again, I would say, how many of you have laughed today? How many of you have laughed even yesterday? <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> Laughter is very important. Let me tell you a little joke. <laughs> there was a husband and wife, three o'clock in the morning, pouring down rain, and they hear someone say, I need a push. And the husband said, no way, I'm not getting up doing any pushing at this time. The wife said, now you remember, when we needed a push, someone helped us with our car. He says, okay, okay, I'll do that. So he gets up and goes to the front door. He don't see the car, and he says, do you still need a push? The answer said, yes, I need a push. He says, where are you? He says, I'm on the swing in your backyard. <laughs> <laughs> so I said that there comes a time in our life that we all need a push. We need a push to really get up and get going in the morning. We need a push to finish that article. We need a push for our children. We push them to go to school. We push them to go back to school. We need a push. But I don't need a push to go to Rashi Pool. 
I've been going to Rochester Food for over at least seven or eight years. Michelle and her staff are absolutely wonderful. My aerobic teacher, Chuck, I don't know if Chuck is here today, but Chuck, a wonderful, wonderful instructor. And we can only thank Michelle and that staff. They watch us over us from the time we get in that pool to the time we get out. Someone is right there watching to make sure that we're safe. Now, mind you, I can't swim, but one of my instructors, Susan, said to me years ago, don't worry about swimming. You just get in the water and do whatever you can do. Don't worry about what someone else is doing. You do what you can do. And of course, I follow the instruction of Mr. Arthritis. <laughs> I raise one leg up and one leg down. Sometimes it's the knee, sometimes it's the back. But I'm in the water and I'm enjoying it. However, though, I don't go in further than about the four and a half feet in the pool. And sometimes I wander down a little bit further. But I got my pool people here who said, will it? Get back in your lane. Get back. Get back. You drifted much, much too far. I am asked so many times, what is the secret to my longevity? And I don't have a secret. I feel truly that I'm a conduit, that I'm a vessel for the good Lord to send messages through. I pray daily that I be filled with the spirit of joy and happiness, that I may be a cup of strength to some other people. I do practice, however, the old adage, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. I avoid stress at any cost. I feel I'm too blessed to be stressed. <laughs> I, <laughs> I also practice forgiving. I try to forgive others and not only forgive myself for things that maybe I might have done unwittingly and what I have held on to. So I said, don't hold on. Let go. Let God. I also urge that you laugh a lot. Be kind to your neighbors. And one thing, don't forget. Don't take your pain in advance. Because tomorrow is really not tomorrow. It is today. So I said to all of you, let's enjoy this day. And by the way, a little smidgen won't hurt. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much. Let's, let's get a photo with the resolution and the commissioners. Uh, go, go ahead, Commissioner, uh, um, General Manager Ginsburg. There we go. Um, Ms. Harris, that was just simply uh, so beautiful. You're a celebrity over there. I'll wait. And 
it was just so beautiful. And I just have, um, and, and Commissioner Louie, thank you so much for making a friend. Um, we like to say in the, at Reckon Park that we try to make a friend every day, and you've certainly taken that to heart. Uh, but I have one question for you that's really important here. Um, I see that you have four great-grandchildren and five grandchildren. Um, how do you apply to be number six? I would like to be your sixth grandchild. <laughs> I have absolutely no answer for that. <laughs> anyway, thank you very much. Right. Shall we get a photo? Yep.
and I think my charger was out of juice too. That, that was its Uh, she is. Thanks. Uh, the Willard Harris Fan Club can go home if they like because the rest of this meeting is going to be far less exciting. I'm not. You're on. Miss Willard? Ms. Willard, can I ask you a question? Oh, God. Out of all your achievements, it's, it's the Haight-Ashbury guy here. Out of all your achievements, the one that really struck me was when you left Mount Zion to go to work for SF General and to establish the clinics around San Francisco. Mm -hmm. That was historic. That was absolutely amazing. You took it out, you took healthcare out into the neighborhoods. And I just wondered what your feeling was about that. I felt that it was such a need. And when I left Mount Zion, I have to admit to you, we had carpet floors and we had this and we had that. Over general, we didn't have it. And patients were sitting on the steps. And when I went up there for an interview, I said to myself, if I get this job, no more patients will be sitting on the steps. We're going to make some changes, and we're going to put some clinics, hopefully, because that was the purpose of my going over there, is to establish clinics in the areas that was most needed. And, of course, Portrera Hill, um, Hunters Point, and the uh, Mission. So those clinics' idea was through a grant. And the clinics were, if we proved that they were worthwhile, the city would take them over, and now the city is running those clinics. Ma'am, I applaud you. Thank, thank, you, thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Thank you, everybody. Now, I have two other items in the president's okay, report. Thanks. One is that uh, I would like to acknowledge uh, our uh, general manager, who yesterday, I believe, uh, the Senate of the state of California approved by 37 nothing a second term on the State Parks Commission huh. as the vice chairman. Yeah. Oh, congratulations. Whoa. <clears throat> and lastly, I believe Commissioner Anderson, if she's still on the line, is going to give us a brief update on Camp Mather. Hello, President. I'm still here, and I'm sorry for any commotion if uh, I forgot to mute. Not a problem. <laughs> um, so, hello, everybody. And I just wanted to say thank you, Commissioner um, Louie, for uh, bringing us such a wonderful friend. And I am going to follow all of your advice. <laughs> um, so I'm at Camp Mather. And I think most people know what it is, but it's our family camp up here in San Francisco. It's it's owned and maintained by the city and county of San Francisco in the Yosemite National Park, right next to the entrance of Hetch Hetchy. The camp exists because it was built for the workers who made Hetch Hetchy 
and the Hetch Hetchy uh, Reservoir and the O'Shaughnessy Dam provide the beautiful, tasty water that we have in San Francisco. Um, we commissioners get a chance to come up here for a week, and um, I didn't realize I picked a week that included a commission meeting. So again, I apologize for that, but I'm thrilled to be able to report. This is the last week, week 11, and the staff here are wonderful. They've bonded amazingly. Um, we have a lower uh, census for guests this week, I think because it includes the beginning of school. So we only have 175 people here. In years past, at full capacity, we've had 485 people. So a logical conclusion is that a good week to put in for in the lottery, which is what you have to do to get into Camp Mather, is to request week 11. And you probably will assuredly get in. Um, I, there have been a few um, interesting animal sightings here and want you to know that everyone is per perfectly safe, but you know, we ask people to walk where, to look where they walk. Um, our assistant camp manager, Sydney Angel, who is truly an angel here, everybody loves her. Um, she's a very capable woman. Um, I think she's been coming to Camp Mather since, Camp Mather since she was a child and now she's on staff here. Uh, she's wrangled three rattlesnakes. She wants everybody to know that. And they were safely transported to uh, miles and miles away. Um, and we've also had a, a bear sighting, but he just wanted some food. Um, and, and everyone does a great job of keeping the food and the garbage contained, and, and the bears uh, quickly depart when they know they can't get anything here. Um, the staff do really cute things. They name themselves after flora and fauna. So I've hung out with Thunder and River and Sugar Pine and Robin. And yes, Robin, whose last name is Hood, does the archery. Um, and we have many great um, things to do here. It's not just uh, show up and throw your stuff in a cabin. We have activities. We have wonderful uh, food, you know, three hots and a cot for sure. A great dining hall uh, staff, great uh, kitchen staff, um, plenty of lifeguards for Birch Lake and the pool, and it's just a fabulous time. Does anybody have any questions about Camp Mather? Mm, no. All right. Well, I think it turns 100 either in 1925 or 1927. Um, I think we should have a big, huge party. What do you say, General Manager? Right on, Madam Vice President. <laughs> Kat, thank, All right. thank you very much, Kat, and enjoy the rest of your vacation. <laughs> thank you, and have a great meeting. And that concludes the President's report, which is the longest in the history of the Recreation and Park Commission. But it was the funnest one. Is there any public comment on the President's report in room 416? Seeing none, do we have any hands raised on our public line? One raised hand, okay. You can go ahead and unmute them. You'll have two minutes to speak. Hi, it's Bruce Stone. I wanna thank you all for authorizing the dredging, emergency dredging of the West Harbor. Um, I did send a letter though this morning. Bruce, this is um, this is. That, I'm sorry, Bruce. This is comment on the president's report. I think that would. Oh, I'm sorry. No, nope, that's okay. Comment. Nope, no worries. Right, um, <laughs> just a, just a few minutes. Thank you. 
They called on me. Okay. As a, as a reminder, um, we are still on the president's report, which is item three. We will be at general public comment on item five. So if there's no other raised hands, um, I will say that public comment on the president's report is closed. We are now on item four, the general manager's report. Um, good morning, commissioners. What a great president's report. So uh, President Buell, you know, sometimes the long report bears fruit. Um, <laughs> so I have a few items for you today. Um, uh, not only uh, did we just celebrate uh, a uh, 102 and a half year old icon of the community, but on Friday, I was thrilled to be part of the celebration and commemoration of David Johnson, a 96 year old icon of our community. Uh, it was the dedication ceremony for the Harvey Milk Photo Center's newly named David Johnson Photo Center. Uh, as you recall, because uh, commissioners, this body approved uh, the naming of the photo center. David Johnson was Ansel Adams' first African-American intern and uh, uh, spent his career uh, documenting, uh, well, most poignantly, he did a lot of things, but most poignantly um, spent a chunk of his career documenting uh, uh, displacement from redevelopment in, the, in his beloved Fillmore. Um, Mr. Johnson and his family were in attendance, as well as Senator Scott Weiner and Supervisor Dean Preston. And during the event, we presented uh, Mr. Johnson with a plaque honoring him for his work. Uh, as I noted, you know, Mr. Johnson's career is extraordinary. He is uh, one of the city's most iconic photographers. Uh, his work uh, gives us a glimpse into the vibrancy of everyday life in the historically black Fillmore district from the neighborhood's heyday in the 40s and 50s through the civil rights movement in the 60s. Uh, and so we were just thrilled uh, to, uh, to convene this honor. And uh, I'll tell you, between uh, Mr. Johnson and, and uh, Ms. Harris, I, I, have, I have great hope uh, for uh, you know, maybe catching John McLaren or something because uh, both of them are still moving uh, with incredible verve and, and vigor laid into their, uh, you know, uh, uh, what would you call it, sentinent, sentinent, centenarians? Thank you. <laughs> yes, anyway, uh, it was really a lovely ceremony and uh, thank you commission for, uh, for honoring uh, David Johnson in this way. Uh, er, this, this item is called Music Everywhere. Uh, earlier this month, one of our most anticipated yearly events, Outside Lands, was held at Golden Gate Park. This year's star-studded three-day concert marked the festival's return to its normally scheduled August time slot. Last year, the festival was pushed to October due to pandemic-related setbacks, as you recall. Outside Lands has contributed more than $31 million to our budget since 2008, enabling us to hire a year-round full-time gardener for the festival grounds, maintain our open spaces, and offer scholarships to our top-notch recreation programs. Uh, the festival weekend infused the city's economy with an estimated $71 million, a needed jolt. Uh, and then this past Saturday, a free outdoor music festival was held at the Jerry Garcia Amphitheater in McLaren Park in honor of the 20th Jerry Day. As any good deadhead knows, the, uh, the Grateful Dead's legacy, legendary history has been deeply entwined with the magic of music in our parks since the 1967 human being at, at Golden Gate Park. And then speaking of the dead, the wildly popular Stern Grove uh, Music Festival, the longest running outdoor music festival in the Bay Area, 
this past Sunday completed its 85th season with a spectacular performance by founding member Phil Lesh. I believe Commissioner Griffin was there and was there the week before to see our uh, mutual favorite Taj Mahal. Uh, it is certainly sad to see this uh, San Francisco summer staple close up shop for the year, but we're excited to see what next year brings. And a special uh, shout out to uh, Stern Grove Chair Matthew Goldman and uh, their Executive Director Bob Fiedler for their extraordinary cooperation and partnership uh, for the festival. It was a hard year coming back for the first time in, in a couple years, and uh, their leadership was incredible, and uh, the partnership is as strong as ever. And then, Later this month, on August 27th, the Due South free concert series at McLaren Park kicks off with uh, Deaf Haven and Marbled Eye, two bands I know, Commissioner Buell, that you follow closely. <laughs> this year's concert marks the return of the free music festival after three years, having been canceled due to the pandemic in 2020 and 2021. The concert series runs through October and features a diverse lineup that aims to bring culturally relevant entertainment to the city's southern neighborhoods. And then on top of all this, uh, weekly live performances continue at the Golden Gate Park Bandshell stage through the Lift Every Voice performance series presented by Illuminate featuring music, uh, music like rock, jazz, R&B, blues, funk, and much more. The free concerts, which include singer-songwriter Wednesdays, jazz and soul Friday happy hour, Saturday culture and community performances, and reggae Sundays will run through November 2022. And of course, just around the corner, back after its own pandemic hiatus, uh, first weekend of October, hardly strictly bluegrass. So lots and lots of music in our parks these days. Um, some updates on India Basin. During the last few weeks, uh, Reckon Park and our India Basin project partners held Friday teen nights at India Basin. The family-friendly events held on July 29th, August 5th, and August 12th offered a variety of games and fun activities for kids and young people in the Bayview District. The teen nights build on the India Basin Equitable Development Plan, which aims to engage Bayview residents and ensure uh, that they are the main benefactors of the India Basin Waterfront Park Project. Uh, we're very grateful to our community partners and the India Basin Equitable Development Leadership Community, which make these community events possible. Special shout out to the A. Philip Randolph Institute and their fearless, wonderful leader, Jackie Flynn, and her incredibly talented and passionate staff for all of their work uh, out at India Basin. We uh, had approximately 100 people a night at these, thing, at, at these three events, so they were very successful. Um, I also wanted to announce that uh, the San Francisco Parks Alliance, also as part of our India Basin uh, activation efforts, is set to host the free Sundown Cinema event at India Basin Park this Friday, showcasing the hit Disney film and sing-along Encanto. Uh, and then with the construction firm Swinnerton now approved as the contractor for the project, we anticipate holding a groundbreaking event at India Basin sometime in mid-September. And we've got a community day out at India Basin to celebrate the completion of our remediation work on uh, Saturday, next Saturday, or two Saturdays, August 27th, a week from Saturday. Uh, so we invite everybody to join us at that. Um, we're very excited that the shoreline and habitat have been cleaned and restored, and now, finally, construction on the brand new project can begin. A few more updates. Uh, late last month, District 4 Supervisor Gordon Marr introduced city legislation to keep the Great Highway car-free between Lincoln Way and Slope Boulevard on Friday afternoons, weekends, and holidays under a pilot study that would last through the end of 2025. 
About a year ago, SFMTA and Rec and Park staff began examining how the upper grade highway could work as a promenade. Since then, the staff has submitted environmental applications required by CEQA. Once the, uh, the Board of Supervisors approve Supervisor Moore's pilot study, staff will apply for a coastal development permit. During the pilot study, staff and MTA will be able to collect important information like usage data, alternative traffic options, and public feedback to then pass on a recommendation of the Board of Supervisors to consider the Great Highway's long-term future. Um, travelers may have also noticed some changes in Golden Gate Park. On Monday, Rec and Park and MTA opened a new traffic flow pattern for the stretch of MLK Drive between Chain of Lakes Drive and Sunset Boulevard. The intent of this new roadway configuration is to lessen southbound congestion on Chain of Lakes by giving vehicles an additional option to e exit the park via an eastbound one-way lane on MLK and then onto Sunset Boulevard. Concrete barriers were installed on MLK Drive between Chain of Lakes and Middle Drive to create a separated space for people traveling by foot or bike, consistent with the car-free promenade approved in April by the Board of Supervisors. In the past couple of days, we've added additional barriers, signage, and roadway markers to protect pedestrians and cyclists and clarify and improve traffic flow for all. So this is a work in progress, and we keep uh, doing our best to balance all of the competing interest and public safety needs in this space. Um, I'd also like to report that Rec and Park has implemented new safeguarding measures to more effectively supervise projects on its properties. Earlier this month, the controller's office released an audit that found Rec and Park did not effectively oversee the Portsmouth Plaza parking garage renovation project, which was being managed by the nonprofit group Portsmouth Plaza Parking <coughs> Corporation. The project exceeded its budget and wasn't adequately completed according to the audit. We agree uh, that more city oversight was needed for this project, as the then Board of Volunteer, uh, Volunteer Supervisors with the Portsmouth, uh, uh, with the PPPC Board was able to terminate and sign new contracts without notice to us or approval. So moving forward, PPPC will no longer manage capital improvement projects. Additionally, we are currently setting up a, pro a process and procedures with the new PPPC Board, including <laughs> ensuring that the PPPC uh, would not be able to enter into any contracts without Rec and Park approval. Um, so we learn and we move forward. Um, finally, registration for fall activities opens this Saturday at 10 a.m. We have everything from citywide youth girls basketball leagues to our first open classes at the McLaren Lodge ropes course and so much more. Great try. It's a, it's a great time and it's never too late, says Willard Harris, to try something new. And that, Mr. President, concludes the general manager's report. Thank you very much. Commissioner Hallisey, did you have a comment? I do. And uh, General Manager Ginsburg, when you were out of town at the end of July, as you well know, uh, there was a soccer match yes, at Kizar Stadium between the Chinese national team and the San Francisco Nighthawks. I know you're familiar with the Nighthawks. Um, but I, I want to salute a very busy Commissioner Louie once again. She worked behind the scenes of this event along with Beverly Ying to make it uh, a very enjoyable day. Commissioner Griffin and, my, and myself, we joined her. Uh, it was great weather, uh, great crowd, tremendous crowd, and uh, also a very competitive match. So again, a shout out to Commissioner Louie for her work behind the scenes on this very successful day, and a big thanks to Beverly Ng as well. 
Uh, before we go into Commissioner Griffin, President Buell, let me just uh, just weigh Please. in on that just a, a quick bit. First of all, to say thank you to the three commissioners for, for being there. This was an extraordinary moment for uh, youth or young adult soccer in San Francisco. The Chinese national team was the, is the 12th ranked team in the world. Uh, and interestingly enough, their head coach once played uh, young adult soccer in San Francisco and San Franciscans being who we are uh, helped the head coach with a uh, visa so she could remain in coach in the US for a while before returning to China which is why I think she was returning the, the favor by bringing the team to San Francisco and uh, uh, from all I uh, could observe even though I was on the East Coast at the time it was an extraordinary crowd and a lovely day so thank you particularly to you Commissioner Louis for, for helping to organize the event. Thank you, um, Commissioner. Uh, go ahead. Okay, I'm sorry. Um, so I just want to say there, you did have representation there because uh, General Manager Ginsburg's daughter who, with the purple headband, I saw. We <laughs> followed her. I watched her. Good thing she had something very bright and purple. She is quite the soccer girl. Thank you, Commissioner. So we, we enjoyed watching your daughter participate in that wonderful game. Her athletic ability comes from her mother. <laughs> Thank you, Commissioner. Commissioner Griffin. Yes, I had a question for General Manager Ginsburg. Uh, regarding the report about the Portsmouth Square issue, you said that for now on contracts will be coming to Park and, uh, Rec and Park for approval. Will that be staff or the commission? Uh, staff, commission sees approvals as, commission, uh, as the commission has always seen approvals. These were for sort of change orders and contract amendments. You actually did approve this project. And you know the, uh, this is a little bit of a unique situation. The PPPC board has a long history of managing this garage, and frankly, they've historically preferred to manage it very independently. And so, um, you know, as the controller rightly pointed out, there need to be some additional controls, even when a nonprofit has a long history in a space. Uh, it is continues to be the, the department and the commission's responsibility uh, to ultimately make sure that that space uh, is well stewarded and that capital improvement projects are are delivered appropriately. Thank you, Thank you. Commissioner Jupiter Jones. Just quickly, and I apologize because I missed the July meeting, but I didn't want to go uh, by without recognizing. Um, that uh, the department, I got to have the fun opportunity to participate in San Francisco Pride Parade with San Francisco Rec and Park and give a real big shout out to Anne-Marie Donnelly for organizing that. But um, my middle child and I had a great time parading down Market Street. The return of San Francisco Pride was very well received. And everybody loved when the Rec and Park Department came by. Everyone was very excited. And if there are any of those um, Pride Rec and Park shirts left, I would suggest getting one. They are very- We will uh, actually <laughs> make sure that all commissioners uh, are blessed with uh, some pride. Thank you very much. So let's do public comment on the general manager's report. Is there any public comment on the general manager's report in room 416? Seeing none, if you are on our line, you can dial star three to be added to the queue. I don't see any callers there, so public comment is closed on the general manager's report. Okay, we are now on item five, general public comment. This item will be continued to item 11. At this time, members of the public may address the commission on items of interest to the public that are within the subject matter jurisdiction of the commission and that do not appear on the agenda. So if you'd like to provide comment during general public comment, you can dial star three now to be added to the queue. So Bruce, if you're still there, this this is the time. 
Do we have any general public comment in room 416? On items not on today's agenda? Okay, seeing none. Do we have any, we have two raised hands. Okay, great. Please unmute the first caller and you'll have two minutes. Good morning. I would like to ask the commissioners uh, if they could just explain a little bit about how park resources are protected from environmental hazards, not, not long-term effects like climate change. I, I'm referring to uh, specific immediate environmental problems. I'll, I'll give you an example. This park, this Petrero del Sol, uh, it used to be Knudsen Park after its previous owner, then La Raza, and now it's Petrero del Sol. I'm anyway, sorry, if this is... They did if, tests back then and all was good. No water or soil problems, clean bill I, of I'm health. sorry, I think this okay, is... So is fast forward Please today, mute the caller for me, SFGov TV. Or not TV. quite today, 2019. This neighbor... SFGov TV, please mute the caller. I, I really do uh, apologize deeply for just muting you. Um, that is related to item 10, so I think we will... Um, have people who want to speak on the 1458 San Bruno shadow item or anything related to Potrero del Sol Park uh, would be comment during item 10. So you'll have to wait till that part in the meeting. This is just reserved for items that are not on today's agenda. And I apologize if that was not clear. Um, so I believe we have one more caller. You can um, unmute the next caller. Thank you. Hi, this is Bruce Stone. Uh, just to follow up on the dredging, uh, I was thanking you for uh, arranging that emergency basis so that the harbor is now more open. Uh, unfortunately, they keep dredging the wrong place. Um, and they are close to the wave organ, which is not an approved area for navigation. Uh, the channel itself, which is more the Coast Guard buoys, has only been a half uh, dredged, and boats continue on the ground there. Uh, it's this match between the mark image map under and that or manager broke back well yeah we got a bigger bank the front of the road instead of the high Bruce you're you're cutting in and out to go back and Bruce I'm Bruce, I'm sorry, you're cutting in and out a little bit. I'm happy if the president allows I can extend your time. If, sure. Okay. If you can um, please repeat what you said in the last 20 seconds or so. <clears throat> Bruce, it's really hard to hear you. If you're, if you're speaking now, we can't hear. Yeah. He can... Uh, he can find a better place for reception and call back under general public comment at the end of the meeting. Yeah. Okay. Or um, SFGov TV, if you could um, mute the call. Thank you. I'm really sorry, Bruce. Uh, yeah, it was really hard to hear you. Um, so I would suggest calling back. Uh, or waiting until item 11 when we have general public comment again. And of course, you're always welcome to email us as well. Um, I know you have our email address, but we'll hope to hear from you during number 11. Okay. Do we have any other raised hands as of GovTV? Okay. Thank you for everyone's patience with technical difficulties. Okay. Seeing no further callers, public comment is closed. 
We are now on item six, the consent calendar. Is there any public comment on items on the consent calendar in room 416? Okay, is there any raised hands on our public line? Okay, seeing no callers, public comment is closed. Commissioners? Chair would entertain a motion. So moved. It's Se been, second. been moved and seconded. All those in favor? Aye. So moved. Thank you. Okay, we are now on item seven, the San Francisco Zoo report. Good morning. Um, morning. I'm Nancy Chan. I just want to say I was really honored to be here for that commemoration, uh, and I could just listen to her stories all day. All right. um, uh, a quick report. Um, we had a new uh, kudu calf that um, we welcomed into the three-acre mixed-species oh, wow. African savanna with the birth um, on July 26th to Mother Farmella and Father Tony. Um, Tony also sired the female Madison's recent calf, so we have two calves in our exhibit. Um, this is the eighth offspring Tony has sired, and since Madison is also the mother of Carmela, this makes her a grandmother as well. Um, following a visit by the Consul General of Indonesia, we recently welcomed their country's conservation ambassador, a male Komodo dragon. <clears throat> the male was hatched on December 4th, 2021 and is described as very smart, quick to respond to training, and very fast. He currently weighs 13 pounds, but adult males can weigh up to 300 pounds. At this time, he is still in quarantine, will be visible sometime next month. We hosted the March of the Penguins on Saturday, August 6th, one of our most popular <coughs> events. This year, five penguin chicks, two female and three males, graduated from fish school where they learned to eat fish by hands, socialize with their caretakers, and learn how to swim. A special guest to the march was the Consul General of Ukraine, who named one of our penguin chicks Nadia, which means hope. Um, on August 1st, we celebrate our male western lowland gorilla, Oscar Jonesy's 41st birthday with an epic celebration. As you can see from the photo, OJ is dismantling a colorful house. The theme of his party was the Pixar movie Up and included a special banana treat next to a Fenton's Creamery sign and a book called Oscar's Adventure Book, just like the movie. We also celebrated the 14th birthday of our male black rhino, Boone, with a creative construction-themed birthday event that included watermelon and ice cake made of carrots and sweet potatoes and his regular diet. Needless Yum. to say, they hit the nail on the head and did a great job of raising the roof. <laughs> Um, we recently teamed with SFPD for their national night out, whose purpose is to enhance the relationship between neighbors and law enforcement while bringing back a true sense of community. The event was a great opportunity to bring police and neighbors together under positive circumstances. We were able to add to the festivities with a booth that featured a prize wheel, conservation, coloring station for the kids, and an opportunity to take a picture with everyone's favorite penguin mascot character. 
Um, we also recently hosted a group of 180 youth and their chaperones from United Play As. United Play As is a violence prevention and youth development organization in San Francisco. Its goal is to provide a safe and positive environment as well as adult support, academic enrichment, and leadership skills to prevent these kids from, re from entering or re-entering the justice, justice system. Many are children of uh, incarcerated individuals. We had a lot going on this month. On Saturday, August 13th, the Children's Heart Foundation hosted their annual fundraising walk at the zoo, which raises money for research for congenital heart diseases in children. They had a record 559 participants and 60 volunteers, more than double of last year's numbers. Participants walked leisurely around the zoo over the course of the morning, just under a 5K. This is their third time hosting at our site. August 10th was World Lion Day, a day to celebrate and raise awareness about the conservation of lions and highlight the plight faced by them. At the zoo, our two African lions, Sukari and Jasuri, who are mother and son, were treated to a variety of scent enrichment, such as animal bedding from the family farm, and of course, bones and meat treats. So some upcoming events. Um, uh, we have a Zootoberfest mid-September through early November. Basically, that will be a time when we have a big hay maze out, um, and a weekend of entertainment and a beer garden. Boo at the Zoo will be the weekend of October 29th and 30th with the popular costume contest, pumpkin treats for the animals and candy for guests. And our joy to the animals will include a weekend of animal holiday treat presentations. And tomorrow, if you're keeping score, it's International Orangutan Day. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Is there any public comment on the San Francisco Zoo Report in room 416? Okay, seeing none, do we have any hands raised on our line? No hands raised. Public comment is closed. Commissioner Louie. Next year, when you have night out at the zoo, can you kind of make a, a mental note to maybe invite some the commission to attend? It sounds like a really fun night and a really fun place to, to celebrate. Uh, Good idea. And honor our police. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. All right, we are now on item eight, San Francisco Parks Lands, fiscal year 22-23 annual support. Good morning, commissioners. My name is Lisa Branston. I'm the director of partnerships at Reckon Park, and I'm here to request that the commission authorize the department to accept up to $90,000 in annual support from funding generated through the department um, and the Parks Alliance Joint Commemorative Bench Program to benefit community events programs and department operations for fiscal year 22-23. Okay, so a little bit about this item today. Um, this isn't the first time you've seen this and there's been a number of changes in the way that this funding is, seen, is overseen by the city. So um, we've worked through those and that's why we're coming back today with this request. Um, as you'll, a little bit of background, as you'll probably recall, in May of 2021, the department entered into an MOU with the Parks Alliance that governs exactly this annual support um, that 
the Parks Alliance provides to our programs and laid out a number of transparency requirements. And that was a one-year MOU with the opportunity for two one-year extensions. And since that time, we did do a one-year extension. So right now, that MOU um, covers through July of 2023. Um, sorry, excuse me, through May of 2023. Um, and then in January of this year, the commission did approve acceptance of um, $90,000 in annual support for fiscal year 21-22. And we've since submitted quarterly reports on the use of those funds and um, as directed by the MOU. And we're almost complete with um, this year's spending and as directed by the MOU and sept on September 30th, we'll um, submit a reconciled annual report to the commission on the use of the 21-22 funds. Um, <clears throat> so per the terms of the MOU, RPD staff did work with the Parks Alliance in early 2022 to forecast the expected annual support needs for fiscal year 22-23, and we did bring a proposed budget of $390,000 and asked the commission to recommend that the board approve that. Um, but in between the time that the commission did make that recommendation to the board and the next step of going to the board, the city um, enacted a behested payment legislation that then prevented us from working with the Parks Alliance on the projects that would be funded with the grant, which put us in a complicated position. Um, so uh, after consulting with the city attorney, it was determined that since a number of the funds that the Parks Alliance provides the department in annual support are generated by the commemorative bench program, which is determined to be a business relationship and not a philanthropic relationship, those funds can be used for annual support. And so we've come back to you and asked that you approve $90,000 in annual support to cover the um, projects that are deemed appropriate in the MOU that we have with the Parks Alliance. Um, and so earlier this month, the Parks Alliance did confirm in writing that they can provide up to $90,000 in support just from proceeds of the commemorative bench program. And that's why we're here today for this request. So let me just show you what we're talking about. Oops. Sorry, I was on the right slide already. Um, so he, this is the proposed budget for the $90,000. It's a prospective budget that Reckon Park Finance, the Reckon Park Finance staff and partnership staff worked with each division of the department to get an estimate for the, this year. The funds are distributed only through a check request process with sign off by the requesting division head and the director of administration and finance. Expenditures reported are reported quarterly throughout the fiscal year and um, at the end of this fiscal year, you'll be able to see the actual expenditure of these funds. Um, and then I'll just share a few highlights of what this funding supports. Um, so about $17,500, as you saw on the previous slide, will support youth development programs like our Greenagers, um, which offers teenagers that live or attend school in the southeast or northeast neighborhoods of the city paid leadership opportunities. Um, and also our Tennis and Learning Center, which promotes academic achievement, health and wellness, and socio social economic um, development through the sport of tennis. 
Um, it supports community events that allow staff to add extra elements to community events such as Extravaganza and Scare Grove. And uh, we're also pleased that uh, this December we'll be hosting World Cup soccer screenings and these funds we'll use to support that as well. Um, the funds also support our park bench maintenance program. This program has been on hold until we work through the um, this, we worked through the legal implications of the pested payment legislation and we're both, um, the department and the Parks Alliance are very eager to open this up. The Parks Alliance, which um, deals directly with donors, reports that they've heard from more than 75 community members who have been interested in um, putting plaques on benches through this program and have had to get on a long wait list for that. So it's not only a, this program is not only a source of fundraising, but it's also an important resource for residents who want to honor friends and families in San Francisco parks. And then this funding also supports department rec programs and facilities. Um, our mobile rec wall, which was initially acquired through a philanthropic donation, um, does need um, the philanthropic support for its annual recertification and in fact when the funds were stalled we had to put away the mobile rock wall for several months. And then the funds also support our volunteer programs. They allow the department to add a little bit of a layer of excellence to people who invest their sweat equity in our parks and so it's very important even though it's um, the volunteer program is only $2,500, but it does allow the purchase of material supplies, cookies, bottled water, other things that make these events just a little bit more special. And then lastly, but very importantly, um, these funds support, um, well, this may not be last actually. <laughs> these funds do support staff development. Um, they allow us maybe to go to an extra conference or take an extra class. They're very important for staff. And they also support employee recognition and appreciation. The picture you see here is um, a high school student who participated in our work creation program, getting an award um, that we were able to provide with some of this, uh, some of the previous year funding. And then just to summarize, today's staff are recommending that the commission authorize the department to accept up to $90,000 in annual support from funds held at the Parks Alliance and generated by the commemorative bench program to support these important parks and pro these important programs for the parks. Um, I did want to flag for you that if we do determine in working with the Parks Alliance that there are additional funds from the bench program and RPD has additional needs that could be funded in this way, that we may come back to you later this year um, and for, to request that you recommend that the board approve the next tranche of funding because if we go over $100,000 in funding, that'll trigger um, the necessity for board approval. So we'll take that next step when we get there, but these programs are so important that we wanted to take this first step, and I, I'll let you know because the city attorney's become my best friend, but this whole approach was vetted with the city attorney. Um, so um, we are doing this in a new way, and I guess if you'll indulge me, I wanted to say thank you to the, 
the admin and finance team at Reckon Park and my team, particularly Nathan Tinclair, who's here in the audience, for taking what has been a fairly routine program and approval and finding a creative way to get the department these resources that um, really do add just a little bit of special sauce to the services that we try and provide for San Franciscans. And with that, I'm happy to take any questions. Thank you very much. Um, questions? Mr. Ginsburg, I see you have your hand up. Do we want to do public comment? Public comments. All right, public comment. For <clears throat> okay. Is there any public comment on this item in room 416? Seeing none, is there anyone with their hand raised on our line? Seeing none. Public okay, Mr. Ginsburg. Yeah, um, commissioners, you should just uh, know how lucky the Recreation and Park Department is to have Lisa Branston at the helm of our partnership division. And, um, you know, uh, lots of noise, lots of this, that, and the other thing that is really has the potential, had the potential to really distract us from our work. Arguably, it was distracting. <laughs> uh, and lots of challenges in cultivating partnerships and cultivating cultivating support for all of the programs and all of the placemaking and all of the staff development that we do that makes this department so special, right? And uh, I cannot think of someone um, with um, more... Um, vision alignment, integrity, uh, resilience, and painstaking attention to detail to guide us right now than Lisa, and she deserves not just this commission's thanks and not just our department's thanks, but our city's thanks. Well, thanks. <laughs> Thank you very much. Commissioner Louie. Mr. Branson, we just want to thank you and Nathan Tinclair. I know him very well. <laughs> Great. Last time I had a shovel and weeding in Chinatown somewhere, <laughs> and he was a project manager. And, the, and I'm very proud of your department. I know you guys have been working double time with all this legislation um, and finding ways to keep our parks beautiful. So um, it's, it's not easy. Um, so we just want to commend you in putting in the effort, and I agree. Uh, all of us agree, and we want to thank uh, General Manager Ginsburg for doing double time, too. So thanks. Thank you. Commissioner Griffin. <clears throat> thank you so much for all that you do and for the report you gave today. I just, I'm sorry. I am totally confused with this new behest legislation join the club <laughs> how did, i mean how are we affected if we vote affirmatively for this you're not affected at all this is completely in accordance with all of the departments uh in the city's new policies okay with Thank city you. attorney I, approval yeah I'll, I'll take your word for it because i still don't understand the, the all of this was approved by the city attorney okay. we we're in a world where we're betting everything very very closely so great as, thank as, you so much and, and to that and a special thanks as well to the city attorney's yeah. office and to our, our general counsel uh, Manu Pradhan who really has uh, guided us and has also uh, engaged in painstaking detail and review to help us uh, navigate all these new uh, requirements and laws and all that so thank you Manu
So, th on that note, uh, the chair would entertain a motion to uh, approve accepting this money from the park. So moved. Seconded. S moved and seconded. All those in favor? Aye. 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 So moved. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, we are now on item nine, Gene Friend Recreation Center Contract Award. Good morning, commissioners, Good morning. general manager, commission liaison, Melinda Stockman-Sullivan, project manager, Rec and Park Department Capital and Planning Division. Uh, the item before you today is a discussion and possible action to award a contract for a construction manager slash general contractor or CMGC services for the Gene Friend Recreation Center project to Swinnerton Builders in the amount of up to $38,999,208. This item meets our strategic plan goals of inspiring public space, strategy, excuse me, and inspiring play. Gene Friend Rec Center, also lovingly referred to by neighbors and stakeholders as Soma Rec, is located at 276th Street at the corner of Folsom and 6th Street in the Soma District of San Francisco. It's a one-acre site. The facility opened in 1990, has a single-story rec center with a full indoor gymnasium, activity room, weight room, and auditorium. Uh, beginning way back in 2014, Rec and Park partnered with Trust for Public Land, and we embarked on a robust feasibility study looking at four different tiers of how could we intervene in the site from a really cosmetic cleanup to a full new, larger facility. Um, happy to say that uh, as a team, we decided to go with the full new, larger facility. As you are probably aware, this neighborhood is experiencing tremendous growth, and the existing facility also serves a very critical need, particularly with after-school programming with our core stakeholders, uh, and also for drop-in, for senior activities, et cetera. The Rec and Park Commission approved a concept design for a whole-scale replacement and expansion of the Rec Center in September 2019 after a robust community outreach and planning process. The in-kind grant from Trust for Public Land covered design and engineering services through concept design completion only. So the project sat for a little while, and then with the passage of the 2020 Health and Recovery Bond, uh, we had $30 million for Gene Friend as a name project. With this commitment of funding in hand, we prepared a request for proposals for architecture and engineering team. And we awarded to a new team, the Mark Cavanero Associates Kuth Ranieri Joint Venture. Issued notice to proceed in them in March 2022, and they are currently <coughs> revisiting the concept design and racking, wrapping up schematic design next month. Uh, due to the unique nature of this project, the magnitude, uh, soil conditions, complexities, et cetera, Rec and Park staff determined that the project requires specialized expertise and skill, uh, which should be procur procured with an alternate delivery method rather than our traditional design bid build. Uh, the city has, after careful review of various other options, the city has elected the construction manager general contractor project delivery method. Um, in accordance with admin code, this required our general manager to review and uh, send this letter to the public works contract admin team, and this was approved. Uh, this will be Rec and Park's first time administering this type of contract in-house, um, but it's been used very successfully with a few other recent 
public works projects that you are probably familiar with, including the Animal Care and Control Center that opened at the foot of Bryant Street as a public works project, the Traffic Company and Forensic Services Division on Evans Avenue, which is a huge public works project, and the Southeast Community Center at 1550 Evans, which is just, I think, wrapped up or wrapping up, which is a SFPUC project. Staff expect that this CMGC method of alternate project delivery in which construction professional council is integrated in design as opposed to at time of award uh, during construction will increase the budget control and uh, cost control of the project and also make for more collaborative effort. Uh, this is particularly helpful in our COVID market conditions workplace where the contractor team will come on board at the end of schematic design and they'll be looking at procurement things even as specific as procurement timeframes, and they'll say, well, okay, this system that you want is gonna come from 6,000 miles away and take five months or 10 months, here's another one. So they're really weighing in early on. Uh, we conducted a robust selection. We issued a request for qualifications and proposals jointly in March 2022. And a selection panel comprised of two representatives from Reckon Park and two from Public Works reviewed both written proposals and interviews. Uh, it was a very competitive process, and the contractor firms were very impressive. We also, another benefit of this contract mechanism is that it allows for both cost and non-cost criteria to be factored into the selection of the contractor. So half of the points were awarded to essentially the low bid, and the other half to the criteria, uh, the, the qualifications that were scored. Um, we had to, we had an option to choose what that split was, and we thought that since this is our first time, we wanted to be conservative and, and definitely factor in cost, but also the qualifications. Uh, Public Works contract admin staff open contractor bids. Uh, they were reviewed, and the proposals were scored, and all compliance was scored. This will also be a PLA project, subject to the city's project labor agreement, and we're already working with the Office of Labor Standards Enforcement and Public Works to uh, get the paperwork started with Swinnerton. A notice of intent to award letter was sent to Swinnerton Builders on June 1st, 2022. Uh, we presented contract award as discussion only at Capital Committee in June, and then due to the uh, recess in, in July, uh, we're coming back in August. The scope of services um, includes a general contractor to come on board during design and also what are called their, called their core trade subcontractors, so mechanical, electrical, and plumbing, and a deep foundation structural subcontractor will be on board during design to provide input. Uh, they have multiple submittals from the design team that they'll review and put their own cost estimate on, cost estimate on, excuse me, and constructability review. Uh, this is called the pre-construction services phase, and we anticipate issuing NTP or notice to proceed for this phase, hopefully by early October, pending your approval. Uh, the CMGC will lead the CMGC team, and they will work with their core trade subcontractors. For the remaining trade works, the CMGC will utilize 100% construction documents or earlier submittals, and they will bid out that work with oversight of the Rec and Park Department. Funding sources for the whole project include an in-kind grant of just over half a million dollars from Trust for Public Land, 
2020 Health and Recovery Bond and development impact fees both received and not yet available. Development impact fees are not yet available from the central SOMA plan and one other tranche due to pandemic-related market impacts, but staff have worked very hard over the last month or so to identify financing options to cover the possibility that the impact uh, development impact fees are not available at the time of issuing notice to proceed for construction services. Have we've identified uh, following sources to fulfill the project funding gap, uh, including impact fees and additional 2020 health and recovery bond monies. I will, at the conclusion of my presentation, I'll hand the baton to our division um, manager, Stacy Bradley, to talk just a couple minutes in more detail about that. Uh, again, pending approval today, we anticipate bringing on the contractor for pre-construction services by mid-October, hopefully by early October. Uh, we've been working since 2014 with core community stakeholders, uh, particularly United Players, West Bay, Soma, Filipinas Multi-Service Center, Bainahan Equity Center. Uh, the project, of course, is supported by Trust for Public Land. Um, we're more recently in touch with the Mid-Market Community Benefit District. Uh, former Supervisor Matt Haney and current Supervisor Matt Dorsey also support the project. I'll now hand the floor to Stacey Bradley, our Director of Capital and Planning, to speak a bit more on project funding. Happy to answer any questions. Thank you. Thanks, Melinda. Um, I just wanted to share quickly the financing plan that was in your staff memo from Melinda, um, because this project is so important to the city, to the department, and to the community, we decided to provide bridge funding until the um, funds are available through the Central Soma Impact Fee District. So we, uh, we will be using cash on hand from impact fees already received. Uh, these cur the, currently, the cash is within the 11th and Natoma Park Development Fund, and so that cash will come over to the appropriation for Jean Friend. Um, we do have the appropriation already for the full um, $25 million that we're anticipating from the Central Soma Development Impact Fee. And then we're also um, using some more funds from the Health and Recovery Bond so that we will be reimbursed for these projects once the development impact fees arrive. Some uh, money from the contingency buckets as well as two programs um, buckets that <clears throat> are aligned with the project delivery, so playgrounds and sustainability. Um, and then a little bit of extra money from Open Space Fund, our undesignated contingency uh, or I'm sorry, the undesignated reserve, and a little bit more funding from the Downtown Park Fund. So we will be before you to get that um, approved, the Downtown Park Fund component, in a joint hearing with the um, Planning Commission that will schedule um, probably either in later this year or early next year. So we are here just, um, I just wanted to share a little bit more about that because this project is, you know, really important and we want to make sure that we can deliver it and not have um, a delay in this delivery. Thank you, Stacy. Commissioner Mazzola. Um, yeah, I just had a question. Thank you guys very much for your report um, and all the hard work you and your staff have done on this item. Uh, we appreciate it. I just had a question. Did you say that the subcontractor package is not going out to bid yet? Or is there a subcontractor? Correct. So there are, well, it's, it's a two-part answer. So the, the pre-construction services are for the general contractor and two subcontractors who have been identified as core trade subcontractors. So that's MEP 
and also deep foundation structural. So those folks are all on board for pre-construction. The other trades will be brought on uh, for construction via trade packages. Okay, because yeah. usually in our packet, you know, in the past I've asked for subcontractor lists, yeah. and uh, I haven't seen them on, there weren't, they weren't on any today. Um, so if they weren't picked yet, that's one thing, but I'd like to see them in the packets when yeah, they're there's are, a reason why available. they're not, there's a reason why it's not in the packet. This is, this is the first time we've ever done a CMGC um, project. So we don't, so we we're bringing on Swinnerton to actually help uh, with the final stage of preparing construction docks and then to put it out to bid to the full. Swinnerton will be the GC and then you have these two, two core trades and we'll make sure that uh, next time we do a CMGC type thing, we'll include the, the mm -hmm. subs that have been brought on. But the reason you don't see other subs is because they haven't been identified yet. I appreciate that. But uh, on, a, on a generalization, sure. um, I'd like to see those in, in, in the future. Like they, in the, the, the couple uh, item numbers within the uh, consent calendar, I don't think I saw a subcontractor list on them okay. either. So if you could just provide those in the future, that'd be great. No problem. Thanks. I have, I have so another note. contract award coming in September, so I'll Good. put that. So Thank you very much. Thank you. Commissioner Griffin. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm sorry, little... commissioners. Do you want to take public comment before we ask more questions, or is this? I wasn't going to ask one more question. I wasn't going to ask a question. I wanted to make a statement. Uh, Please do. About 48 years ago, when I first started getting involved in civic activities and all that kind of stuff, I actually had the occasion of meeting Gene Friend and actually getting to know him a little bit. And it's kind of exciting that 48 years later. I'm voting on uh, redoing a, a rec center that was built on his behalf, and it just kind of tugs at the old heartstrings, so I wanted to express that. Tug away. Thank you. With that, uh, I don't see any other questions. Let's go to public comment. Do we have any public comment in room 416? Come on up. You'll have two minutes. Would it be okay if I introduce... This person is about to speak. This is Tim Figueres. Tim worked 30 plus years for the Recreation and Park Department. He was the lead director at Gene Friend Rec Center, which was SOMA when Tim was in charge. He also was the RPD representative running San Francisco Youth Baseball for the entire city. Wow. So, Tim, welcome here today. Welcome. Thank you. Okay. Um, I just want, uh, first of all, good morning, uh, Commissioner President Buell. And good morning. Commissioners and uh, General Manager Ginsburg. Um, I just wanted to, to, to urge your support for this project. Um, the center, although it was 25 years old, has really become run down because it's used an awful lot, an awful lot. Uh, when I was first there, we used to get 300 kids a day. And this was before anything else was there. And it kept kids off the street. And now they have UP has helped take over some of the programming. And, and they just had a summer program that I believe had around 250 kids there on, during the summer. And all through my years at SOMA, there's never been, well, when I first got there, there used to be big gang issues. When that rec center opened, the gang issues disappeared. Mm. Any gang that showed up in South of Market came from somewhere else. And a lot of it was because the kids had somewhere to go. They were kept busy. Um, they had a social aspect. Uh, they met a lot of friends. They respected a lot of the, us. And, you know, it, it also helped. The, also, the homeless was also helped there because a lot of them started 
hanging out there, and they weren't a big burden on the businesses in South of Market, right? And just as long as they behaved themselves, I always welcomed them. And, you know, and they were also big watchdogs for the rec center. They would tell me if something was going wrong, if something was up, you know, just like the kids, they would tell me if, hey, there's going to be a fight in about 20 minutes. And it really helped. And I just hope that um, urge you guys to, to okay this project and support it. Thank you. Thank you very much. Are there any other speakers in room 416? Okay, seeing none, do we have any raised hands on our public line? Two raised hands. Okay. If anyone else wants to raise their hands, you can press star three. First speaker, you'll have two minutes. Hi, good morning, commissioners. My name is Heather Phillips, and I am a member of the Friends of Jean Friend and Victoria Manalo Drake Park. Um, and I just wanted to come and give my support for this project. We have been working with the Trust for Public Land and Melinda and folks at RPD since 2014. Um, and there has just been a tremendous amount of work, a tremendous amount of community engagement for stakeholders, and we are so excited to be at the place where we are hiring a contractor, where we can actually start to see this uh, beautiful plan come to fruition, and I am just voicing my support and hoping that you will also support this much-needed renovation in the Falcon Market. Thank you so much. Thank you. Next speaker. Hello, happy almost noon, commissioners um, and RBD staff. My name is Misha Olivas. I am with United Players and also the friends of Jean Friend and BMD Park. I'm also a SOMA resident. I live about two blocks from the rec center. Um, and like the previous callers and Tim, I'm so sad I can't give you a hug over there. Um, this is our only rec center. This is the only rec facility in the South of Market. And so we hugely support this project moving forward. Um, like was stated, you know, we just wrapped up summer program, a free full day, eight week program for kids in the neighborhood to have somewhere safe to be. But not only is it for kids, you know, it's a place where our homeless community members can charge their phone and use the bathroom and recreate with dignity. And so we're so excited that this is continuing to move forward. Um, I really, really also want to thank Director Ginsburg and Tanya Peterson from the zoo for making that trip happen. It was amazing. I'm so glad you guys were able to see that picture. Um, sorry to tag this onto this <laughs> item, but um, you know, we have kids who are here in Soma that have never been to the zoo, and so they were super juiced, even though it was an hour-long bus ride. You know, they just had a really great day, and so we appreciate all the support that we've gotten from our PD. We are happy to continue to be a partner in this neighborhood to make sure that the RBD facilities and our community are getting the resources that they need. And with that, I would love to also all of you, we do an amazing Halloween carnival on Halloween day at the rec center, and we'd love all you commissioners to come out, throw some candy at the kids. It's a really fun time because it's not safe in our neighborhood for kids to trick or treat, so we really try to just create something for them to have that, you know, quintessential childhood experience. Um, but again, I fully support this moving forward and just really appreciate all the support that we get from RPD and you all. Thank you. Thank you. We have one more speaker. Next speaker. Good 
morning, commissioners. This is Tracy Everwine from the Community Benefit District. Uh, we too are calling in in full support of this item, and we're very excited to see this important project move forward. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Seeing no further callers, public comment is closed. Commissioners? Chair would entertain a motion. So moved. Second. Moved and seconded. All those in favor? Aye. 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 So moved. Thank you. Thank you. We are now on item 10, 1458 San Bruno Avenue, Shadow on Potrero del Sol Park and James Rolfe Jr. Playground. I could get the uh, PowerPoint, please. Thank you, Commission Liaison, and good, uh, good morning, Commissioners. My name is Chris Towns. Um, I'm with a planner with the Recreation and Park Department, Capital and Planning Division. And I'm joined today by Ella Simonski from the San Francisco Planning Department, uh, the project planner on this case. And our presentation will provide you with a summary of the proposed residential development at 1458 San Bruno Avenue and its shadow effects upon two parks under the jurisdiction of the Rec and Park Department. Patrol del Sol Park, also known as La Raza Park, and James Rolfe Jr. Playground. Uh, review of the shadow cast by this project uh, supports objective 1.2 of the strategic plan to quote, strengthen the quality of existing parks and facilities. Um, for a shared policy and code context, uh, Prop K, the Sunlight Ordinance, uh, was aimed at protecting park properties from the negative shadow impacts, um, was approved by voters in 1984, uh, which subsequently led to the adoption of Planning Code Section 295 um, in 1985, uh, which prohibits the city from issuing building permits for structures greater than 40 feet in height um, that would cast a shadow upon a property under the jurisdiction of Rec Park unless the Planning Commission, after consultation with the Rec and Park Commission, finds that the shadow would not have a significant adverse impact on the use of the park property. Um, in 1989, the Rec and Park Commission and the Planning Commission jointly adopted what's commonly referred to as the 1989 memo, uh, which identified quantitative as well as qualitative criteria for determinations of significant shadows. Um, with regard to the methodology, uh, shadow is quantitatively measured by multiplying the area of the shadow by the amount of the time that the shadow is present on the open space um, in, in units called square foot hours, or SFH. Uh, determining the annual net new shadow load uh, generated by a project begins with the calculation of the number of square foot hours uh, that would theoretically fall on the qualifying publicly accessible open space each day from an hour after sunrise to an hour before sunset, summed over the course of the year. Uh, this total is referred to as the Theoretical Annual Available Sunlight, um, or TAAS is the acronym for that park. Um, the second step is the calculation of the baseline, or current, shading, uh, current shadow conditions, uh, which factors in the square foot hours of shadow cast by existing buildings and other structures um, on that open space. And then lastly, the shadow effects of the project are calculated with the difference between the baseline shadow condition and the project shadow condition considered being the new project shadow. 
Um, the amount of shadow is defined as the shadow in square foot hours cast by the project divided by the TAAS um, expressed as a percentage. Um, in addition to the quantitative criteria per the 1989 memo, um, qualitative criteria to consider for evaluation of shadow also includes time of day uh, that, sh that the shadow is cast, uh, its time of year, its shadow location, its shadow size, shadow duration, um, and the public good served by the building that would cast the shadow. Um, at this time, I'd like to pass it to Ella from the planning department who's gonna provide a brief overview of the project description, um, the community outreach conducted by the project sponsor, and the public good served by the project. Pass it to Ella, he's here. Hello, um, the proposed project, um, <clears throat> sorry, the project proposes to demolish three light industrial buildings, and uh, one of which contains an unauthorized dwelling unit, and the new construction of a five to seven story residential building over basement with a maximum height of approximately 73 feet, um, utilizing the state density bo bonus program. The building in total would contain 232 dwelling units, with a dwelling unit mix of 137 studios, two one-bedrooms, 91 two-bedrooms, and two three-bedroom units. The project would uh, also have 134 class one bicycle parking spaces and 12 class two bicycle parking spaces and would not include any vehicle parking. The project is seeking a density bonus of 38.75%. Uh, <clears throat> and requesting waivers to the development standards for height, rear yard exposure, and off-street loading. It is also requesting concessions from open space and permitted obstructions. <clears throat> Related benefits to the project include the 232 new dwelling units, which would add to the city's overall housing supply. Um, the project is maximizing the density on the site, utilizing the state density bonus program and thereby adding the maximum amount of housing in an established neighborhood within with easy access to the city's public transit network. The project would provide a minimum of 20% of the dwelling unit of the proportion of the base project or 29 units as on-site affordable housing units and it would pay uh, impact fees as well as uh, impact fees um, for the affordable housing fee for the requirement not satisfied by the on-site units, which would add to the city's ability to increase its affordable housing goals. The project also includes the 134 class one bicycle parking spaces and 12 class two bicycle parking spaces to support the city's bicycle transit network. The project sponsor's outreach has included a pre-application meeting held at the Potrero Hill House in November of 2019, a virtual community meeting held in April of 2021, a virtual meeting with representatives of United Save the Mission in June of 2022, and a community meeting held at the Mission Community Center in July of 2022. In response to community input, the project sponsor has over the course of the Project development uh, excluded the parcel at 1493 San Bruno Avenue from the project scope uh, to reduce overall shadow. Modified the dwelling unit mix to include family-sized units. Those are two, the two and three bedroom units. 
explored adding parking, although ultimately chose to retain the design without on-site parking, and has been exploring various options to increase affordability. There has been a significant number of public comments received by the department in both opposition and support, uh, approximately 40 individuals in opposition and 33 in support. Comments in opposition are predominantly from the Petro del Sol community garden members and oppose the project's shadow upon the community garden, raising concerns about the viability of the garden for plants and vegetables as a result of diminished sunlight. Other issues of concern raised by those opposed include the project's heightened massing, the dwelling unit affordability, gentrification, the project's lack of parking in an already parking-limited neighborhood, and uh, other general shadow impacts on a park with a very uh, strong cultural significance to the community. Comments in support of the project primarily expressed uh, support for new construction of housing in the neighborhood and the potential benefits of activating that end of the cul-de-sac. The project also received a letter of support from the owners and tenants of the adjacent property at 1462 San Bruno Avenue, which is, which is occupied by multiple artists, stating that the project sponsor had worked with them to design the building to ensure they, they could continue to use the property by the artists. Some uh, commenters in support also expressed the opinion that uh, the increased shadow would not affect the usability or enjoyment of the park. Thank you. Thank you, Ella. For orientation purposes, uh, the image at the top left on the slide is a plan view of where the project site, indicated with the red star, is located in relation to the shadowed parks, uh, Petrel del Sol and James Rolfe Jr. Playground, uh, shown in green. As you can see, the project site is located at the southeastern corner of Petrel del Sol, uh, abutting San Bruno Avenue in the Highway 101 edges. Uh, the street view on the right side of the slide provides a visual of the existing project site along at San Bruno Avenue frontage, um, including a view looking uh, a view south along San Bruno Avenue toward the elevated Highway 101 and the existing buildings, and, uh, and a view looking north along San Bruno Avenue toward Bertrand del Sol Park. Um, surrounding uses include a variety of land uses and property types, um, including one to three story single family and multifamily residential buildings, uh, light industrial, office, hospital, and educational uses. Uh, the existing project site is currently occupied by three industrial buildings, as Ella noted. This slide provides a plan view of the programmatic detail for each of the parks. Uh, Petrel del Sol is on the right. Um, it's an existing 4.36 acre park bounded by Bryant Elementary School and an adjacent three-story building to the north. The elevated Highway 101, Cesar Chavez Street to the south, San Bruno Avenue to the east, and Petrel Avenue to the west. Um, the northern half of the park consists of grassy expanses and a children's play area. Um, the midsection features a long, uh, sorry, a, a large uh, sort of bean-shaped skate park bowl uh, used by skaters, um, adjacent to a circular amphitheater trellis feature, um, and a rectangular-shaped community garden with the plots, um, individual plots located at the far southwest corner of the park, abutting the proposed project site. 
topographically, the site is somewhat rolling um, and programmatic areas are connected via meandering sort of pedestrian pathways throughout. General park hours uh, are from 6 a.m. to sunset. James Rolfe Jr. Playground, on the other hand, is located directly west of Patrol del Sol across Patrol Avenue. Um, it's an existing 2.93 acre park bounded by residential development to the north, uh, Cesar Chavez Street to the south, Petro Avenue to the east, and Hampshire Street to the west. Uh, programmatically, the park is predominantly occupied by two large baseball fields covering the southern approximately two-thirds of the park. Uh, the top third of the park includes a clubhouse, uh, children's play area, uh, as well as tennis and basketball courts. Uh, this slide provides uh, the project's full year shadow fan and seasonal, chart, uh, seasonal sun chart, uh, which is very helpful in visualizing the project's overall shadow impact upon parks throughout the year. Um, the project's full year shadow fan is on the left and the seasonal sun chart um, for Petrel del Sol is on the right. Um, on the full year shadow fan, the project site is depicted in orange and the project's annualized shadow fan footprint upon the parks is displayed in blue. Uh, with darker blue representing more frequent shadows and lighter blue representing the less frequent shadows. Um, as you can see, the annualized project shadow would approximately cover the southern two-thirds of Petrel del Sol and the uh, southeastern portion of James Rolfe Jr. Playground. Uh, project shadows um, are, most frequently, uh, are most frequent immediately around the footprint of the project being proposed and dissipate becoming less frequent um, uh, as it goes further away. The seasonal sun chart on the right helps provide uh, more detailed information about the amount of project shadow throughout the seasons and during specific times of day. Uh, the four vertically grouped uh, bands refer to uh, summer, fall, winter, and spring seasons, and individual columns refer to various times of day, including early morning, morning, midday, afternoon, and late afternoon. Um, in this chart, yellow bands represent the theoretical annual available sunlight, blue represents the new project shadow, and gray represents existing shadow. Um, as you can see, um, new project shadow is present throughout the year during all times of day, however, peaking during morning hours and decreasing through the end of day, uh, most prominent during the morning hours of fall and winter. Here's an animation of the maximum net new shadow day on Petrel del Sol, occurring on December 20th, beginning at 8.19 a.m., lasting through the end of day. And it's on a, a loop, so you can kind of, if you keep an eye on it, you'll see it recycle. As you can see, beginning at 8.19 a.m., new project shadow casts over the northeastern portion of the community garden, um, all of the skate park, um, and over, grass, uh, over the central grassy areas of Petrel del Sol. However, by 10.30 a.m., the shadow leaves the community garden and most of the skate park, receding in a southeasterly direction over the circular amphitheater and trellis feature, um, and table grassy areas during midday, and afternoon uh, is off of the amphitheater by late afternoon, occurring only over the grassy landscape southeastern uh, corner of the park through end of day, which is 3.45 p.m. Quantitatively, uh, there is currently a 2.18% existing shadow load on Petrel del Sol. The project would add 4.02% uh, shadow increase for a total of 6.20% shadow load on the park. Um, the image 
The image on the, um, on the right depicts the project's maximum net new shadow um, on December 20th at 8.19 a.m. Qualitatively, in terms of time of year and time of day, project shadows occur year-round uh, during all times of day. However, peaking is, uh, is in the maximum shadow day, most prominent during the morning hours uh, from 8 to 10.30 a.m., and decreasing through end of day and seasonally most prominent during the morning hours of fall and winter. Um, the average daily duration of shadows is approximately 9 hours and 10 minutes, with an average uh, shadow coverage of 4.78% of the park area. With regard to shadow location, full year shadow spans the southeastern, uh, I'm sorry, the southern two-thirds of the park over areas including the community garden, skate park, grassy uh, expanses and pathways, uh, amphitheater and trellis feature. With regard to James Rolfe Jr. Playground, uh, quantitatively there is currently a 6.97% existing shadow load. Um, the proposed project would add 0.01% shadow increase for a total of 6.98% shadow load on the park. Um, the image on the right depicts the project's maximum net new shadow, which occurs on June 21st at 6.46 a.m. Um, qualitatively, in terms of time of year and time of day, project shadows occur in the spring and summer, uh, but only during the morning hours before 8 a.m. The average daily duration of shadows is approximately 6.7 minutes. Uh, with an average size of about 4% of the park area. Uh, with regard to shadow location, uh, new project shadow falls over this, uh, the park's southeastern corner uh, over the baseball field, as you can see depicted in the blue at the bottom right of the park. So in closing, I'd just like to highlight that the 1989 memo provides quantitative and qualitative criteria for determining whether a project shadow upon a rec park property will have a significant adverse impact on the use of the park. Quantitatively, the memo establishes that for parks greater than two acres in size with less than or equal to 20% existing shadow load, as is the case with both of these parks, um, the memo's guidance is for up to a 1% shadow increase. Again, for reference, in the case of Petrel del Sol, it's a 4.36 acre park, experiencing 2.18% existing shadow load, and the project would add 4.02% uh, for a total of 6.2%. In the case of uh, James Rolfe Jr. Playground, it's a 2.93 acre size park, experiencing 6.97% existing shadow, and the project would add 0.01% additional shadow for a total of 6.98%. Qualitatively, the criteria to also consider includes time of day of new shadow, time of year, shadow size, shadow duration, location, and public good served by the project. So I just want to leave you with some images of uh, some photos of the various programmatic areas of both parks. Uh, this is Patrol del Sol. Moving in a clockwise direction from the top left is the community garden. Uh, the children's play area, skate park, and circular amphitheater, trellis element. <clears throat> and this is James Rolfe Jr. Playground, again, primarily composed of the baseball fields along the, uh, at the top, you see. Um, there's also a clubhouse, basketball courts, and children's play area uh, at its northern portion. Um, that concludes my presentation, and we're available for any questions. Thank you. Thank you very much.
Let me, uh, before you proceed, I need to make an announcement that I unfortunately need to leave uh, in about five minutes, and I'm going to ask Commissioner Hallisey to take over from there. I have been thoroughly briefed on this project and had some issues and went out and looked at the site and concluded at the end, even though I won't be here to vote and therefore it won't count, that I would support this project because I think of the number of housing units it's adding and the areas where the shadow falls. But it, there's no question that the shadows do fall, so I don't want people to get the impression that this is an easy decision, but on balance, I really do think it adds to the, uh, to the uh, net solution to the bigger problems in the city. And with that, I turn it over to Commissioner Hallisey. Would you like to go to public comment? Okay. So I know there are a few people here to comment. Uh, we'll start with folks who are in room 416. And then I know we have some raised hands on our public line. So just know that um, I'll try to keep you updated on how many people are ahead of you. Uh, so if you're here to comment on this item, you can come up to the podium and uh, you'll have two minutes to speak. If you have some visuals, um, let me turn this on for you. Hold on one sec. Can I, can I use the, um, the laptop? Okay. I would just, I was just back up. Oh, okay, yeah, no, you can. I was, I was so, concerned I might not be able to. No, no, it's fine. Figure this out. Okay, yeah, no, you can just open it up and <laughs> okay. they'll, they'll put it up, yeah. Okay. Uh, let's see. Okay, let's see if you. Uh, full screen. Okay. Can you raise your hand if you're here in person to speak on this item? Okay, it looks like uh, for those who are on our line, we might have three people, but there could be some more, but just as an FYI. Go ahead and get started whenever you like. Okay, good morning, commissioners. Uh, my name is Jim Abrams. I'm land use counsel to the project sponsor, uh, Marilyn Good, who's, who's here today um, and has a few words for you as well. I think a few key uh, critical points to this is first, this project as it's designed as the shadow report that you have indicates casts fewer shadows than a 40-foot project, a 40-foot building at this location. This building has been sculpted so that it actually casts less shadow than a project that would not be under your jurisdiction. So this sponsor could have come in with a 40-foot building. We would not be here today. They've chosen to sculpt the building. It's a taller building, but it casts less shadow than a 40-foot tall building. We've made major concessions to reduce the shadow in the community garden. We've actually removed 77 units from this project. And as you can see on this slide, on the, on the overhead, um, Area, there's a building that is just south of the community garden that was could you try to use the microphone oh sorry thank you um, so we removed uh, a portion of the uh, project that is south of the community garden that reduced the number of units in the project by 77 units so that's 77 households that would not otherwise be in San Francisco we've done that as a way of minimizing the shadow on the community garden um, we have submitted expert testimony that the shadow on the community garden, which is generally gone before 10 a.m. in the morning, would not affect the use of the garden. Uh, some folks uh, disagree with that testimony, but I think that even if you disagree with it, um, what you can see here is that sorry, um, the city has community gardens that are in urban locations, and Alice Street Community Garden is one of them. It operates quite successfully. It's in Soma, and it's surrounded by buildings that are, that are quite tall. Um, folks love this community garden, and they use it quite regularly. So the, the uh, adjacency of a building to a community garden is clearly 
not something that will affect the uh, enjoyment and use of that garden as we see in San Francisco. A few other key points about the report. Um, there's no shadow on the playground at any time during the entirety of the year. There are two picnic areas in this park. One of them receives no shadow during any time of the year. Your time is, is concluded. Okay. I'm sorry. All right. What, could I ask for a little bit more time just as the project sponsor? That is up to the uh, chair. Yes, I'll allow. How many more minutes? One? Yes. Okay. Okay. So there's two picnic areas. One receives zero shadow at all during the year. One, one does receive shadow during afternoons in the winter, but it's in a grove of trees. Um, additionally, um, the property is zoned for housing. The city decided to zone the property for housing, made the policy decision to do so. This project is code compliant, and when the city rezoned the property for housing, they made overriding considerations under CEQA that said that any shadows on this, on this park were, were less important than housing production to the city. So the city has made that policy goal by overriding the EIR. Uh, finally, for parking, I think I just want to note that some of the callers and folks in opposition are concerned about the lack of parking in the project. I just want to note that the city the planning department in particular and the MTA discourage parking. So this project is meeting the city's transit first goals by not providing parking, and it's something that the project actually gets points for under its transit demand management plan with the planning department. It's something that's incentivized for us to do. So that's my presentation, and I thank you for your listening. Thank you very much. All right. Next speaker. Yeah, anyone who's here in person to speak may come up to the podium, and you'll have two minutes. And take, take your time. It's fine. This is the microphone. Yes. I'm not good at I'm like Mrs. Rip Van Winkle, and I'm a 90, uh, well, how old? <laughs> 92 and a half, and I've owned this property way beyond my lifespan. I'm a native San Franciscan and love San Francisco dearly, love everything about it, and hung on this. We've had this property since the 1930s. And uh, it's a, I inherited it from my father, and I'm probably older than any of you. And, uh, and I'm a native San Francisco, and I adore our city, but I don't like what's happening, and I want it. It's just so nice to be here at Park and Rec, because I didn't know you existed. It's gone on for years now, but here you all are. And you're all San Francisco, except for one lovely creature who's not here. But I know that you, all of all the ones that are here right now, grew, grew up in this city. Anyway, well, blessings to you. I wouldn't like to be doing what you're doing in any way and have a lot of empathy towards you. But I'm not worn a developer hat very often. So I thought I should come properly costumed for the event. I even brought my pacifier. The women are always <laughs> to be shut up. And you, a lot of you come are from nice Italian families and, or very Catholic families. And, you know, Mary is not leading the show. Jesus is. But that's all right. Okay. Well, Oh, all for one and all for all. 
but I just hope you could get us out of this morass and have this a workable project. Blessings to you. Thank you, Ruth. Thank you. Thank a, you. a Buddhist handshake so that you don't pass germs. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. She's a youngster. You have to be 90 or above to, to show up as permission for the question. She was. Uh, hello, my name is Noel. Uh, I live in the Mission District. Before that, I lived in Pachero Hill. I've never come to one of these meetings, and I don't have any stake in this project other than being a local resident and someone that uses um, the park and also the community garden. Um, you know, I took time off work to come here because I think someone from the community needs to represent the interests of the park. Of course, housing um, is important, but so are parks and uh, community gardens. Um, in the community garden policies document, it actually says that uh, more community gardens are um, the third top priority for uh, San Francisco residents. And I think it's a bit ridiculous to think that a seven-story building directly adjacent to a garden wouldn't have a negative impact on the viability um, of that garden. Um, also, the park is called Petrero del Sol. Sun is in the name, and the, one of the primary reasons people go to parks is because of the sun. Um, this park is also located in the Mission District. It's one of our sunniest neighborhoods, so it's a big reason it attracts people. Um, I'd also like to point out that um, even if there's um, a relatively smaller shadow impact, the way that plants grow is that they need to um, achieve a certain minimum temperature for their enzymes to be activated to stimulate growth. So I think it's difficult, it, it's easy to underestimate the impact that the shadow will cast. Um, additionally, I think to vote in support of this project would be in clear opposition to the voters of San Francisco because the project clearly is in violation of the sunlight ordinance. It would double the amount of shadow on the park and it would be four, more than four times as much shadow as uh, is allowed by the sunlight ordinance. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you Noel. Is there anyone else in room 416 who'd like to come up and speak? Come on up. Hi, uh, my name is Frank, and uh, I'm also a Mission resident, and also very frequent park user and member of the community garden. And you know, I would just like to say. As someone who spends a lot of time in the park, um, you know, this would be a very significant shadow. This community garden is pretty unique because it gets sun virtually all day long and there's no fog. So we can grow things that people really can't grow in other community gardens. We grow tons of tomatoes, squash, pumpkins, melons, everything like that. And most of those things really would not be able to grow well with the amount of shadow that we're talking about. And in terms of you know, balancing the shadow with the community good. I just don't really see how <clears throat> adding this many, you know, market, mainly market rate, mainly studios, really serves the good of the uh, community that's being proposed to be built in. Um, also, it is just extremely hard to park anywhere near the project, um, to go to the park or for the people who live near the project. 
um, that's also a significant negative impact for the many, many people who enjoy using the park every day. Um, so like the previous speaker just said, this is um, four times the, um, the, the 1 percent number that the uh, 1989 memo says is a significant impact, so that would call it an extremely significant impact. Um, and I just don't really see the, uh, the community good being there to, to balance it out. Thank you. Thank you, Frank. Is there anyone else in room 416 who'd like to come up and speak? Thanks. Hello. My name is Del Greger. Uh, I speak for at least 12 people in our neighborhood. It's just so hard to stay on top of all these meetings for years and get to them. Um, I am speaking about parking because this is part of the community good. Uh, this is a neighborhood that is currently very challenged with parking. The hospital parking lot is full in the morning. People cannot get long-term parking There's there. There's waiting lists forever, uh, as well as we now have the UCSF Research Building and three schools, as well as the park. Uh, all the neighbors I've spoke to have continually asked for this project to figure out how they can have parking, which I imagine there is space within 232 units. It just simply wouldn't net them as much money. Uh, 232 units is easily 464 people. I would love to live in a fantasy world where we all just jumped on public transportation and used bikes. However, this area of San Francisco is not one of those places. There are people who work graveyard shifts, go to Silicon Valley, they're elderly, they have mobility issues, they need parking. And then the neighbors that are right there cannot be dealing with all the parking that's then coming to where it wasn't provided for. We're for housing. We are for more housing in San Francisco, but please continue this discussion, listen to the neighbors, add parking and figure out something that works without creating additional problems in the neighborhood. Thank you. Thank you, Del. Is there anyone else in room 416 who'd like to speak? Okay. Seeing none, I'm gonna move over to the folks joining us on our public line. If you're here to speak on this item, Go ahead and raise your hand by dialing star three. I know we already have nine hands raised, so we'll go ahead and unmute the first caller. Hello, my name is Genevieve Greesaw. I am an unhoused cultural worker in San Francisco. I've been a resident of this city for 20 years and I am a user of Petrero del Sol Park. Um, the shadow cast by a five to seven story tall building is undeniable. We all know that it's going to impact the sunny parkland available to users and the community garden. Um, if you are not, uh, don't realize the name Petrero del Sol literally translates to pasture of the sun. 
So the essential nature of this park will be um, upset. Uh, and there is the additional impact to parking. Um, as others have said, parking in this neighborhood is already under a crunch. Anyone who's gone to SF General and cruised around looking for a parking site uh, knows how difficult it can be. If you are a culture worker um, putting on an event at Petrero del Sol, oftentimes we need to um, bring in vehicles full of uh, event materials such as costumes, uh, audio visual gear, and we need to have um, close nearby access to parking to the park to put on events. It's completely inappropriate to build a building with 232 units and assume nobody in the building will need to park uh, in the area. For example, your rideshare drivers, which hopefully will be there. Um, as I said, I'm an unhoused resident and culture worker in San Francisco. I would love to believe that there would be housing in this building for me, but I value the cultural resource of um, Petrero del Sol Park as it is and what still remains of the farm and the community garden and the artist spaces, which are critically uh, in a pinch in San Francisco at this time. Thank you kindly for your consideration and have a wonderful day. Thank you, Genevieve. Next speaker. Uh, my name is Jim Chappell. I'm a 45-year San Francisco resident. I'm a Mission District resident, a daily park user, and I'm also a daily housing user. I'm a member of the Housing Action Coalition. The proposed project is an excellent use for the site. We have a major crisis in the shortage of housing in this city. 232 families will be living at 1458 San Bruno. The site is in walking distance to Muni, to BART, to the 24th Street Commercial Corps, to San Francisco General, where there are thousands of jobs, and of course, to a school, a park, and a playground. I have read the shadow study. It is very clear that the shadow impacts are de minimis. Please adopt a resolution recommending to the Planning Commission that shadow will not have a significant adverse effect on Petrero del Sol Park and James Walt Jr. Playground. Thank you very much. Thank you, Jim. Next speaker. Good afternoon, Commissioners. Jake Price on behalf of the Housing Action Coalition, and I'd like to strongly echo the words of the previous speaker. Um, we would like to speak in support of the proposed project and ask that you submit a positive recommendation to the Planning Commission. Our project review committee endorsed 1458 San Bruno a few months ago and believes it demonstrates a variety of exemplary features, including a higher than required number of below market rate homes, promotion of alternative transportation through ample bike parking, and lastly, strong community benefits that include displacement protections and encouraged park engagement. Um, the committee also recognized and highlighted that the building's thoughtful design will help uh, provide a, an acoustic buffer uh, and visual buffer against the neighboring elevated highway while also maintaining access to direct sunlight for most of the park and community garden with a step back facade at the upper levels. 
Um, yesterday afternoon, I sent you all a list of over 150 residents who support this project and hope that you take their voices into account. Thank you for your consideration. We ask that the Rec and Park Commission does everything it can to help this excellent project move forward towards appeal. Thank you. Thank you, Jake. Next speaker. Hello, my name is David Noravian. I am I live on Petrero Hill and have for over 20 years. And I just wanted to say that I strongly support this project uh, for a few reasons. Uh, previous speakers have already mentioned um, a few of the, the reasons. Um, the affordable housing component, first of all, there are 28 DMR units that are going to be uh, added at uh, less than 120% of AMI. I think that's very important. Um, but I think that the most important part of, of this project and for the community is really the activation of the street. As everyone knows, the street is currently a cul-de-sac. Uh, and I think that it would just be important for uh, the safety of the area and uh, to have people there, to have people living there at the end of the street uh, where currently it kind of empties out at, at the end of the day. And so that is, um, I think, the most important community benefit um, of this project, and I'm really excited, and I hope that it goes forward. And I strongly recommend that um, that you uh, that you recommend that it move forward to, uh, to planning. So thank you very much, um, and I yield the rest of my time. Thank you, David. Next speaker. Hi, my name is Bill Keith, uh, and I've been a San Francisco resident for almost 17 years. Uh, I live in Bernal, and my kids go to Daniel Webster Elementary in Petrero. Uh, and so we pass through uh, the area uh, on an almost daily basis and also make use of the park. Um, and I'd like to strongly support uh, the project. Um, uh, I think there are a number of really positive attributes that have been mentioned by other callers. Uh, the below market rate uh, homes that are going to be available, uh, the sort of enlivenment of the area around the park, um, and the access to public transportation that is there, I think, will further uh, enhance uh, and improve uh, the demand for public transportation in San Francisco. Um, and, you know, I believe that uh, we need to be supporting projects like this in order to help more people uh, in San Francisco find housing. Um, so I'm, I'm very supportive uh, and would like to see uh, the approval move forward. Thank you very much. Thank you, Bill. Next speaker. Hi, uh, Ashley, are you there? Um, can you uh, please uh, pull up uh, your attachment D, the shadow analysis? Uh, can you show that to the commissioners right now? Is that possible? Yes. Can you? I'm just going to pause your time real quick. I'll, I'll go pull that up for the, the commissioners. Thank you. Uh, yeah, so it's your attachment D, shadow analysis. If you could turn that to page okay. uh, 24. Just hold, you're you're going to have to hold on a second um, because I can't let you continue oh. speaking unless I'm running the clock. So just give me a minute. Oh, I'm sorry.
It's loading. You still with us, caller? Uh, still waiting, yes. Okay. Tell me when, it, when, it, when you can see uh, page 24. Yes, very good. Thank you. About halfway there. Going a little Great. faster. Page 24, see so which, which one goes faster. So there's so there page 24, then there's attachment D. I'm not sure which one he's. It's attachment right. D, page 24. Okay. Is it attachment D, page 24, you said? Uh, yes, the shadow analysis. <laughs> I have a 64. Is it 64? No, I think he's counting. He downloaded this and then page okay. 24. Okay, so we just, it's I'm not sure which one he's Don't worry about it. It's almost done. Thanks everyone for your patience. It is almost completed. Thank you, yep, no problem. <clears throat> All right. There we go. Okay, I'm going to pull up page 24 now. So, SFGov TV, can you please put the uh, laptop screen up. Okay, um, so we're on page 24, which has a table uh, with observation times, park users, et cetera. Is that what you're asking for? Uh, no, it, it says on the bottom. Oh, of page, page 24, yeah. Uh, Project shadow characteristics. Is that what you're talking about? Yes, exactly. Okay, okay that page yes, is uh, visible. Um, I'm going to start your time now. Go ahead. Okay, thank you. Uh, commissioners, this study, as you can see here, states the effect of shadow cast on plants is not covered under Section 295. This claim made in the shadow study is false. Section 295 states any adverse impact on the use of property under jurisdiction of Rec and Park. Community garden is park property and is being used for agriculture and to raise bees. Plants and bees require sunlight to thrive and the effect of shadow on plants and bees is quantifiable. Nowhere in section 295 is that use excluded. There's only been one shadow hearing involving a community garden ever, and that was settled amicably. Just because documenting the effect of shadow on agricultural use was not needed before today, that does not mean it is not required per Section 295. 
Mr. Prahan from the city attorney was advised of this request prior to today. We insist on an opinion if Section 295 does consider the effect of shadow on agricultural and apicultural use of park property. For the sake of this garden and future hearings involving community gardens, this hearing must stop as the shadow study is a fraud and it does not quantify these effects as it was required to do so. Commission, please consult with Mr. Prahan. Thank you. Thank you, caller. SFGovTV, you can take the image down. Thank you. Next speaker. Thank you, Ashley, for going above and beyond. Sure. Next speaker. Hello, my name is Patrice Catania. I live two blocks from this proposed project. I've lived in this neighborhood for 27 years. I'm a street parker, and in the last, I'd say, five, six years, it's gotten more and more difficult to find a place to park. A building with that many units and no parking is untenable. They have to add parking to that building. It will impact the people who already live here in such a major way that it's just not fair. It's not right. As for the park, I use that park every day. I love that park because it's so sunny. This shadow report shows that it's breaking the sunlight ordinance. It can't. You can't break laws. That's why the ordinance is there, so people who use the park can enjoy the sunshine. And it's used by the community. It's used by children from the schools. It's used from people from outside the neighborhood. It's really used, families. It's, it's just wrong to do that. And I'm very much against this project. The only way I would be for it is if there were more uh, below market rate units in it, it was much lower to the ground and there was appropriate parking, minimum, minimum 100 parking spaces for the residents of the building. People drive cars here. It's not like New York City. San Francisco, people drive cars and they need to park and there's already not enough parking in this neighborhood. Thank you. Thank you, Patrice. Next speaker. Hi, my name is Sarah Lockhart, and I represent Safer DIY Spaces, a nonprofit that works to preserve uh, low-income, affordable, naturally occurring low-income houses for artists and culture workers uh, in the Bay Area, especially in San Francisco. And I am calling in support of this project in that the way it is currently defined uh, preserves um, the tenancy of approximately 10 to 12 low-income artists and culture workers in San Francisco um, that live at the adjacent property at 14. And that, you know, while in an ideal world, there would be enough parking and the shadow would not be cast on the community garden. However, um, it is, as we know, it is much more challenging to find places to house people than it is to house plants. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker. 
Hi, I am a Potrero Hill resident since I was 11 years old, and I live a block away from the park, and I oppose this project as it will be casting shadows from the park. And our children, seniors, people of all ages, and of course, all our plants in the park and the community garden need natural sunlight. Not just for hours, we need it all day. Having sun all the time at the park is extremely essential as there are many health benefits to the well-being and life for all nature itself. And this seven-story project is not a good fit in the neighborhood. As you know, we have Bryan Elementary School next to the park with hundreds of children that use the park. And there are artists at the artist studios. Yes, this will be will create housing. However, the developer will be evicting the artists. And at what cost? The cost of having all beloved for park we have picnics, birthday parties, the low rider event exhibition at the park. In a sunny park, Potrero del Sol, Potrero of Sun in English. The family has gone to the park for generations. Please don't allow the sun of the building will have to destroy the enjoyment of people today and future generations. I heard from the architect that the development staff has to her today that this building will have shadow, however, they are not God. And they are not nature. Please help us preserve the Potrero del Sol and to continue to try with no shadows or parts are worth protecting. Thank you. Thank you, caller. Next speaker. Hi. My name is Jessica. Uh, I am a farm resident and a happy farm resident. I'm I'm strongly in support of the building. I love the garden. I love the park. I'm a, I'm a bi-daily park user uh, walking my dogs. But we need to house humans and animals around here. I see so many unhoused people living under the overpass. I think that's uh, what they call that. Um, but. If not, you understand what I'm talking about. It's unacceptable and cruel. I've watched people get up in the morning, ready their breakfast, ready their fishing poles, make dinner, live their lives, being unhoused and living in between uh, those busy streets. Um, I've seen people get hit by cars and either lose their lives or get extremely hurt because they live under the overpass. I can't in good con conscience not speak for that. Um, parking will be a problem. I understand that. I also understand that in this cul-de-sac, a lot of people sleep in their cars and then relieve themselves on the street. It's unacceptable. Um, every Tuesday morning, there's a food bank that that takes up parking spots, and it's a you know it's it's a nightmare for parking and dropping off the students, and yet that happens every Tuesday because people need it. I also think that more people around here that are living here um, will make it safer. Um, it is a cul-de-sac. People do sleep in their cars. People. Uh, people I'm, sorry. I'm sorry. Your time use, is concluded. You. 
Thank you, Jessica. Thank you. I think we have three more callers, but if there's anyone that's joined, you can dial star three to raise your hand to speak on this item. Next speaker. Hi, my name is Mary Schroer, and I am also a resident at the farm, and I've lived here 22 years, and actually my desk looks out over the garden and at the park. Um, just a couple of things. I lived here a number of years without a car, and it worked great because there's the bus system. Um, I could get down to BART really easily. Um, I stopped doing that because the park was underutilized and dangerous to walk by at nighttime by myself. Um, so I think that having the building here, uh, which I strongly support, would bring more activity and actually encourage people to use the public transport more. The other thing I want to mention is before I moved here, there was not the skateboard park and there was huge trees between uh, the community garden and, and the park. And those trees casted shadows, yet um, everyone accepted them because they were trees. Now the skateboard park went in, the trees died, they got cut down. And um, I want to just tag on to what Jessica said about um, putting people in homes and encourage uh, everyone in San Francisco to put people above cars. I think that the tides are turning and we need to accept that uh, this is a city that you can get around in without a car. So uh, yes to the building. I hope that you guys approve it. The shadows move. The garden can um, grow different crops um, and uh, be utilized just the same. Thank you very much. Thank you, Dara. Next speaker. Hello. My name is Teresa Dickinson. Uh, I'm a community gardener, and I'd like to point out a couple of things about our garden, this park. One is that the morning sun is very specifically to all plants. No matter what you throw, morning sun is the first thing they need to deprive them of, of it. And this building from east and prevents morning sun from the garden. Secondly, there are wonderful <coughs> We're raising lots of, there's several, uh, and we're raising lots of bees and they will totally suffer and leave to live there under the east, no, no shed, no from the east. They can't survive. I'd also like to point out what hasn't been mentioned, which is that this project is planted above waterway, stream bed underneath there. And I'm sure it's not very earthquake conditions. And I wonder if they've even considered <coughs> the problem the water running under. Or, last of all, I'd like to point the building is very unlikely to help the unhappy people who inhabit the neighborhood. They can't afford that place. Please don't allow this project to continue. Thank you. Thank you, Teresa. Next speaker. Good morning, commissioners. I ask you to please refer to attachment D 
the shadow analysis. Now, uh, look at page 18, table 2, Petrero del Sol shadow findings. First item is theoretical annual available sunlight. This is a, a very simple equation spelled out in the 1989 Park Memo. TAS equals park area multiplied by hours of sunlight. The table here lists park area as 190,055 square feet, and the table lists annual sunlight at 3,721.4 hours. Now, get out your calculator, your phone, spreadsheet, whatever you have over there, and just multiply those two numbers together, if you will. Now, you will see that the answer is different, different than the one published in the report table. Their math is wrong. This number affects all other calculations in the report. Planning was notified of this error by Nicholas Dante of Parks Department, but Planning Department is way behind schedule. If they don't finish their review soon, they'll get penalized by the state. So they're doing sloppy work and giving you this report with basic errors in math and hoping you just don't notice. You cannot make a decision based on a faulty report. That would be unethical. The hearing cannot continue. Please send the report back to planning and ask them to do the math correctly. When we have a study that is error-free, only then can we decide how much negative impact this building would have on the park. Thank you, caller. It looks like we have six additional raised hands. Next speaker. Hello, good morning. My name is Annie Novak. I'd like to start by saying I really appreciate all the comments so far that have covered so many items in support of this project. I agree regarding the benefits that the building provides, especially additional housing. Um, I'd like to specifically focus on botanical concerns. I'm a longtime urban gardener, nearing the 20th anniversary of my gardening career, and I garden in densely urban areas with sites that grow alongside many different development projects. So I have a lot of sympathy for this situation while still standing in support of the building. Um, I believe that the 1458 San Bruno Avenue project will only have a very slight effect on the plants in the Portero del Sol Community Garden. One thing I would point out is that the shade study commissioned um, shows no new shadows during the winter season. In addition, from March to early October, which is the primary growing season, more than 85% of the community garden will still receive 8 to 12 hours of sunlight per day. Even taking into account a few days of increased shade during the fall equinox, 90% of the entire garden will never receive less than 7. hours of direct sunlight, 7.5 hours. Now, what I would, the reason I mention all this is vital is because for most vegetable crops, a healthy period of sunlight is defined, full sun is defined as six to eight hours or more of direct light per day. And so a temporary seasonal period for a small part of the garden at seven and a half to eight hours of sunlight at worst does end up having very negligible impact on crop production. Um, fruit crops, which would be the ones we'd primarily be concerned about, like cucumbers and nightshades, cucumbers and tomatoes and peppers, can and do develop at this level of light exposure. Um, significantly, the increased shadow at 1450 at San Bruno is going to occur in the early morning. And I'll address what um, Teresa commented a few moments ago. I completely understand that early morning hours is an important time for most vegetable development. But the key thing is that fruit crops like tomatoes do tend to do most of their ripening late in the afternoon, which is the period in which this project will have no impact. Most of the concern I would have about early morning shade has to do with germination temperatures or 
particularly areas that receive frost, how frost can linger, but that is, of course, not a problem um, in this area. Now, I'm sorry, me, your, your time I, has concluded. I apologize. Thank you, Ann. Next speaker. Hello, thank you so much. Um, and um, my name is Mary Beth Putup. I am a longtime coordinator at Petrero del Sol Community Garden, have been involved in this process and have been repeatedly disappointed by the disregard for the shadow impacts, which it must be said, despite the previous speaker who's speaking to us from New York City's Botanical Garden and um, about things in San Francisco would never presume to do the same to her geographic area, um, it's really important to think about the cumulative impacts, not so many hours on one day, but how many hours before and after. And I think that's um, has been pointed out by other speakers, not really dealt with. Um, I just want to make a couple other points. Recreation and, and hope I have a couple extra seconds like so many other speakers. Recreation and Park Commission and Department, you are the guardians of the city's precious resources and I ask that you do your job very simply. Um, there is no one is doubting there is a housing crisis, but the remit of the Recreation and Park Department is not to solve the housing crisis that exists um, at all costs because that's the language and it's unfortunate that that's the point that we have all been pushed to where regular park and garden users have been cast as yimbies, um, you know, not caring about um, the, you know, the homeless or the cost of housing um, rather than what we really are, which are just ordinary San Francisco residents who want nothing more than the right and ability to use and appreciate the public open space, which is that you are the guardians and the stewards of. So I ask Rec and Park to do its job and reject, reject this plan because of its ex excessive shadow impacts. What point is it to have rules if they, they are just broken? And what kind of precedent will this establish for other open spaces? And in a way, that is what I fear most, that this will be, this is being looked at and it will be an open season on other vulnerable open spaces and community gardens throughout the city. We're suddenly unbuildable Thank lots. You. Thank you, I'm sorry, your time is concluded. Thank you. Thank you, Meredith. Next speaker. Hello, my name is Charles Ayers. Um, I'm a resident of the mission and I'm strongly in support of this project. Um, we are in the midst of a massive housing shortage in the city, one in which every single unit built is important, especially below market rate units like the ones included in this project. I, I am tired of seeing my friends leave due to the extreme housing prices that make our city famous throughout the state and country. Uh, parks and open spaces are indeed important to a city, so wouldn't we want to seize the opportunity to give over 200 new neighbors the opportunity to enjoy this park? Um, I strongly believe that this project will be a net good for both the neighborhood and the city, and I hope you move it forward. Let's prioritize new neighbors over shadow and parking concerns. Thank you. Thank you, Charles. Next speaker. Caller, are you there? Hi, uh, can you hear me? Yes. Hi, um, I'm also a participant, but I wasn't called on. 
Uh, my name is Chris Good. I'm Marilyn Good's son, who spoke earlier. I'm the other half of the uh, uh, project sponsor. I just wanted to point out two things. Um, one, we're not maximizing the state density bonus. That was incorrectly stated. Um, we are leaving quite a bit of square footage that we're not building on um, in terms of height. Um, two, um, I just wanted to say that Adam Phillips, who did the shadow studies, is a participant, so you can ask him questions. Uh, Ella, the planner, uh, asked that he be present, and he has been standing by this, this entire time. Um, the last point I want to make is that we did present uh, a plan with 52 parking spaces, which is the maximum we are allowed. And one person changed from opposed to support based on that. Um, everybody else who's saying they need more parking wants parking that we can't possibly do. It's not allowed. So I just want to be clear that we, we, we had an option which did you know, have the maximum amount of parking. Um, that's really all I want to say. Um, so uh, thank you very much. Thank you, Chris. Next speaker. Hi, my name is Liz Bazar, and I live right across from the school that is adjacent to the park, um, right on 25th Street. And um, I'm very surprised by some of the comments I'm hearing. I am all for more housing. I am all for taking care of the homeless. I do not understand why this project has to be so large. It doesn't make sense to me. 232 apartments and only 29 of them are going to be affordable. Is that correct? And fair market value. What is fair market value? These, these houses are not going to be helping the homeless situation. This is what San Francisco is doing. They're building things. Developers are making a lot of money. Things are going through. Rents are high. They're building high rent facilities. And it's really unfortunate. This is a residential neighborhood. It's um, been traditionally low income. We already deal with a lot of traffic from the hospital. And I just feel like we're not being taken into account um, the people who actually live in the neighborhood, not the people who live in other neighborhoods. Do the project, make it smaller, make it more affordable. How much money do you have to make off of this project? Thank you. Thank you, Liz. Okay, I believe we have one more caller. Next speaker. Okay. Uh, hello there. I, the way I see it, this is boiling down to two two items. Uh, does this new monstrosity cast more than one percent? new shadow yes it, obviously it does it shows that in the report a lot more shadow way more than one percent so then number two does this project offer any community good well while it's building housing uh, the project has chosen to pay an in lieu fee rather than building the required affordable housing. I, I would like to remind the Park Commission to refer to City Attorney Opinion 8421. In relation to Prop K, the City Attorney 
Shadow. Thank you, caller. Okay, before I close public comment, I'm just gonna double check. Is there anyone in room 416 who hasn't commented yet? Okay, come on up. And that's why I do that. Thank you. Uh, my name is Bob Baum. Uh, I'm with Multi-Studio. I'm the lead architect for the project. I've been a 40-year uh, resident and architect, over 40 years a resident architect in San Francisco. Um, I just want to point out, we're reinforced that we've carefully designed this building to stay within the same shadow that a 40-foot building would create. We've, the taller parts of the building are further from the park. We've stepped the facade uh, to, to, to find the right balance between providing the units and, and minimizing shadow. Point out that the 1% that's been talked about, it's a guideline, not a rule, and so we're, we're trying to work with that as best we can. Um, and just a general comment that I, I, I do believe that parks and buildings can work together and, uh, you know, a, and they, to the benefit of the park and the building, you know, to the park in the sense that eyes on it and, and activation and to the building in terms of these new units will have access to, to light and air. And that's a good thing. I've always thought, you know, as, a, as, a, as an urbanist and as an architect that that's, that's a positive. And I think this project, we've tried hard and I think it achieves a balance that, that's worth worth supporting, so appreciate the time, thanks. Thank you. Okay, looks like we have one more raised hand on our public line, so you'll have two minutes to speak. And go ahead and unmute the line. Hello there, commissioners. I am calling you from Petrero del Sol Park right now. <laughs> I'm with my dogs napping as I am most days. We're sitting on the hill watching the skaters. As I look southeast, I see Mr. Good's building, 1458 San Bruno. His wall facing into the park is all covered in graffiti. Not a little, I mean all over it. And it's like this all the time, all the time. He never ever cleans it up. As I look uh, southwest, I see Mr. Good's other building, 1499 Petrero. His wall on that property, also a big graffiti mess. I report this all the time on SF311, but he does not clean it up. He lives in New York City. He does not care about our park. If it were me and I have an important hearing with the Parks Department today, I would at least have made an effort to clean it up, at least today. But not him, not Mr. Big Shot New York. That just shows how little Mr. Good thinks of the Parks Commission. He's a bad neighbor to the park now. You let him make a bigger building, he'll just be a worse neighbor. Today, you are deciding if this project offers any community good. I am here to tell you for certain, no 
good will come from it. Thank you. Thank you, caller. Okay, I believe we have no further comment, either in person or on our line. So seeing no further comment, public comment is closed. Uh, Commissioner C. Commissioner Jupiter Jones. Thank you all for <laughs> working through this. So, um, so this is my home neighborhood. I grew up as a, as a child playing at what we call La Raza Park. Um, I went to school at, the, it is now Bryant School, it was Buena Vista when I went there. My children went to Buena Vista when it was there. Um, the, I've, all the community organizations I've worked for have, we, we use this park a lot, okay? Um, also, as a, as a lifelong resident of the Mission, um, we don't have a whole lot of open spaces in our neighborhood, so I am fiercely, um, protect, you know, I feel a, a fierce protection for every square inch of open space, of green space, of public space that we have in this neighborhood. So, you know, all the issues that were raised, there's a lot, you know, it's a contentious issue about housing and all the competing needs that we have in our city. But for me, you know, our, here as a recreation and park department, we're here today to decide if the shadow, the increased shadow impact on this of this project will have a negative impact on this park. And in that also weighing if the community good, community benefit of this project would be worth accepting that new shadow impact. Um, so I'm really coming from the perspective of not new neighbor, new potential neighbors to this neighborhood. I'm coming from the perspective of current neighbors who's here. I see this park every day. I see how it gets used. It gets used by our families. It gets used by our Latino families who have been the most displaced in our neighborhood, who need the housing the most. Um, it gets used by our unhousing, our unhoused members of our communities. It gets used by the schools. There are two schools that are right there up against this park. There are multiple um, preschools, community centers, after school programs within a one or two block radius. That's who uses the park now. That, the, that population, I do not think, is going to be the population who gets housed in this new development. So for me, I'm standing on the side of those folks, of that, that side of our community. I do think that this shadow is big enough because we've had some of these shadow issues come before us where it's just adding a small percentage. This is not that case in this one. This is going to adversely affect the total shadow. It's going to affect like specific programmatic parts of the park with the garden, with the amphitheater. Um, and it's so it, for me, if this was a late, if this project was a 100% affordable housing project, if it was you know, a shelter for unhoused folks, then I would think twice about it. I do not think the benefit of this project is, is worth the impact that it's gonna have, and it's not gonna serve the same folks who are now served by this beautiful, sunlit park that we have. Um, and so I don't, in good conscience, cannot support the project. Thank you, Commissioner. Uh, commissioners, any comments or questions for Chris or Ella at this time? Uh, Commissioner Buell had to step out, but I'd like to, to give my point of view on this topic. Um, we've heard about the quantitative numbers, you know, the, the percentages. The thing that rings more true to me, though, is the qualitative. By that, I mean the activities that are impacted by shadow. 
And by activities, I don't mean like a stroll through the park or finding a, a patch of sun to have a sandwich or to tan yourself, whatever. When I talk about activity, I talk about the activity a playground might provide. Now, that children's play area we saw earlier in, in the presentation from Chris and Ella, number 10, that children's play area is totally unaffected by shadow. Also, Rolf Park, number two diamond, um, which is opposite the clubhouse in Rolf, there is already an existing shadow there and that will be extended only slightly. Also, the playground sport courts of Rolf are unaffected. Now, when I hear about parking, I live in the inner sunset and I can identify with that issue. Uh, it seems that you need an act of Congress sometimes in my neighborhood to be able to find a parking place. I get that, um, but also, Regarding that 1989 memo that, that Chris presented, which identified the criteria for determining whether a shadow's impact on a park is significant, including time of day when the shadow appears, time of year, the size of the shadow, the duration of the shadow, the last part of that memorandum is the public good served by the project. And I'll, although I'm coming from the point of view that I am just uh, addressing the shadow uh, issue today. In the long run, I also look at the lack of housing in San Francisco, and I think the public good uh, of this project would be impactful in that neighborhood in a very positive way. Any other comments, questions, commissioners? All right, Ashley, I'm going to ask for a roll call vote unless there are some. Oh, you'll, Commissioner you'll Mazzola. Make... Sorry, I missed you. Go ahead, Commissioner. I, I would just like to echo your uh, statements there and say that uh, the places that the shadows are are not going to affect where the people are going to be the most. So I don't, when you're looking at this as just the shadow issue, um, I don't think the shadow issue is enough to turn this job down today. Um, I, I did listen to public comment and I agree on some of those things, uh, the parking being one of them and that could, that could be taken up at planning and the board of supervisors or whatever. But as far as today goes with the shadow, um, I agree with commissioner um, Hallisey and I'll be voting to send this forward. I'd like to uh, also um, echo my support for what Commissioner Hallisey said. Um, while I'm very sensitive to the shadow issue, uh, I just look at the housing crisis as something that's out of control. And as Commissioner Mazzola brought up, the parking issue is a, uh, a very legitimate issue. However, that's not part of our forte, and that needs to be taken up at planning or the Board of Supervisors. 
so I will also be voting to move this project forward. So Commissioner, Commissioner Louie. Oh, go ahead. Oh. It's always very difficult. Um, and you don't want to put yourself in a position where you weigh out always housing versus parking versus shadow. But um, thank you to the architect who um, came and spoke last to explain that you designed a project according to the regulations. And um, I, I grew up in parks and I go to parks with lots of shadows, but you know, it's the thing is like, like I just look at Willy Wu Wu Wong in Chinatown. It has so much shadow, but it just doesn't seem to affect the continued uses of that park. And um, there is a balance, and thank you for presenting. Um, this is always not easy to be like voting on something, but um, yeah. So I'm, I'm not gonna vote my conscience, but I do feel um, a need for housing. And I think over time, you know, they, they will, um, the use is, 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 is just something very difficult. So um, thank you, everyone. Thank you, Commissioner. Uh, General Manager Ginsburg. Uh, thank you, Commissioner Hallisey. Um, I just wanna remind, as the commission grapples with this and what is a really important and interesting policy debate on, on all sides, I, I certainly wanted to um, thank everybody who expressed their point of view today, whether you know, uh, it be the importance of community gardens and the importance of sunlight and open space or the importance of housing. All of those are incredibly worthy points. Um, I do wanna just remind the commission of its role in this conversation, right? So the commission's job is to analyze the qualitative and quantitative criteria and to hear from the public and to understand, have some context of the overall sort of public benefits of a, of a particular project, but um, we are not, uh, this body is not the planning commission. And that regardless of how it decides and how you decide today, uh, it is the planning commission's responsibility to weigh these competing interests. You are weighing in on the impacts as it relates to, to the park. Uh, and uh, were you to find that the shadow does have an adverse impact, you would be instructing the department to share that information with the planning commission and then the planning commission debates these issues, right? So you do not weigh in directly on a development project. You're, you're offering input and some advice to the planning commission. Um, and what I would propose since the, the, the debate was, feels so genuine from all sides and shapes and perspectives that commission, uh, commissioners, if you'd like, regardless of, of the vote, uh, our staff can certainly send, uh, we can certainly send a letter to the planning commission, uh, not just summarizing uh, your decision, but the different points of view that were expressed today so that they have the most robust input they could have as the planning commission makes this decision. That would be good. Thank you very much for that. And uh, we will take you up on that. Thank you. So Any commissioners, more? as a reminder, I just wanna um, let you know, we'll need a motion 
on whether or not it will have a significant adverse impact, and then you'll vote on that motion. I'm sorry, could you repeat that? So the way that the, the language is written in the agenda, essentially you'll have to, someone will have to make a motion, whether it, that it either does have a significant adverse impact or that it does not have a significant adverse impact, and then you'll vote on that motion. All right, yeah. the chair will entertain a motion. I'd like to make a motion that uh, I don't believe that the shadow will have an adverse impact on the project. Second. All right. Uh, now I would like to have a roll call vote please Ashley on this item absolutely okay on the motion that the shadow will not have a significant adverse impact on the park Commissioner Griffin aye Commissioner Halsey aye Commissioner Jupiter Jones nay Commissioner Louie aye Commissioner Mazzola aye okay we have four ayes and one nay the item passes yes Okay, thank you for everyone who was here for that item. Yes. We are now moving on to item number 11, general public comment. At this time, members of the public who were not able to address the commission on item five may address the commission on items that are within the subject matter jurisdiction of the Recreation and Park Commission and that do not appear on the agenda. So Bruce, if you're still with us, that would be um, time to raise your hand now. Uh, but I'll start with the people in room 416. Is there anyone in room 416 besides Stacy? <laughs> Seeing none, is there anyone on our line who would like to comment? You can dial star three to be added to the queue. Looks like we have one raised hand. I will interrupt, if this is Bruce, I will interrupt you if the, the service isn't good again, but um, why don't you go ahead and unmute the first caller. Hi, my name is uh, Rabbi Baptist Professor Catherine Woodley Gwen Rothschild, and I uh, appear to state for the Francis that I support these, this project. It will make 26 uh, affordable housing units. Oh, I'm sorry. That, um, that item has passed. I apologize if you did not get uh, a chance to comment during that item, but uh, Jaime, can you mute, mute the caller, please? Thank you. Um, I apologize if it was unclear. That item has already been voted on, so we are now on general public comment. Just want to double check if there are any callers who would like to comment on items that are not on the agenda today. You dial star three to raise your hand. Okay, no raised hands. So seeing no callers, public comment is closed. We're now on item 12, commissioners matters. Commissioners? Okay. And now I'm gonna go through all of these and call public comments. So please bear with me. Is there any public comment on commissioners matters? Okay, seeing none, just waiting. Public comment is closed. Okay, we are now item 13, new business agenda setting. Commissioners, do you have anything? I just, I just have a question. Yeah. Were there some other items on the agenda that we didn't address, like the Fillmore? That was, oh, that was on yeah. consent. Calendar. Consent. Consent, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, anything else, commissioners? All right, any public comment on item 13? 
Seeing none, public comment is closed. We're now on item 14, communications. Is there any public comment on item 14? Seeing none, seeing none, public comment is closed. Okay, we are now at item 15, adjournment. Chair will entertain a motion. So moved. Ended. Third. I would also like to thank uh, Lisa, Melinda, Stacy, uh, Chris, and Ella. I'm glad you stuck around, Stacy, to get your thank you. Yeah. Um, and Ashley, thank you for all the work that you do. General Manager Ginsburg, thank you for your report today. And also, commissioners, thank you so much. Our next meeting, September 15th. Uh, we are adjourned. <laughs> <laughs>